Welcome to the Baron's Head Up Podcast. I'm your host, Dustin. And I'm your co-host, Aaron. Before we get into the movie, we want to take a second of your time to talk about where you can find us online. You can find us on Twitter, which is the BHO underscore podcast. Also on Instagram, which is the Baron's Hideout underscore podcast. Where can they find you, Aaron? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at double AA row. You can find all these links and more on our link tree. Lastly, if you want to support us and a small business, Twisted Allure, you can use our code BHO podcast for 5% off. Come listen if you dare. I'm your host, Dustin. And I'm your co-host, Aaron. Today, we uh, actually are hitting two really big kind of milestones. Well, maybe one is a milestone and one's just like really big personal for John because it's his birthday today. And also, (laughs) we are going to be putting this out uh, on our one year mark of being a podcast, which is ridiculous. Uh, yeah, man. Congratulations, guys. Yeah, Thanks. thank you. This was just something that Aaron and I kind of just did for Instagram the moment. At first, right? Yeah. Um, I know we said it a couple other times, but we I started out doing, like, writing out reviews and stuff, and it just took so much time. Um, so I sprung over to Aaron. I was like, hey, I know you're not really that much of a horror fan, but you do like horror and you haven't seen a lot of movies. So I was like, I think it would be kind of cool have you come on and just kind of go through these movies first watch so that we can bounce off like how we feel about them because it's from a first person's type of view and then for someone who's obviously seen a lot of horror movies <laughs> and it's been working out i i feel i mean we've been pulling a lot of good numbers we've been going on podcasts um especially sean with um his podcast the house that screams you guys are amazing so I really just want to thank everybody in the horror community, especially Aaron, for being my best friend and, and doing this with me. Um, but we'll throw it over to you, Sean. Why don't you uh, let everybody know uh, what you're about, where everybody can find you, and just how awesome your freaking podcast is, because it's awesome. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, I'm Sean. Um, I usually go by Sean of the Dead on the socials. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Sean of the Dead. Uh, same with Instagram. And then uh, for our podcast is uh, The House That Screams. Um, and that is, uh, on all, uh, podcasting platforms and you can find us on Twitter at house underscore screams and on Instagram at the house of screams. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I know I've been on there twice. Aaron's been on there once. Um, and I just love going on there. So every time you guys need a guest, you don't have a spot, dude, I I'm there. Aaron will be there. Everybody on there, I mean, you guys are just obviously like a huge circus because there's so many of you, but you're all amazing. You I love it, I all of the, the um, you know, the different um, comments everybody has on movies. Some people really despise certain movies, while others really love movies, and, and I love that. Aaron yeah. and I, we kind of always land almost on the same point with movies, usually, because I think we just kind of think the yeah. same. 
You're usually, if anything, a little more harsher on movies. <laughs> yeah, it's just because I've seen so many, you know? Once you get to that point, you, you kind of have to. Yeah. Especially if it's, like, a franchise. Um, Like, we were just talking about, like, I love Scream, all right? I love it. We saw Scream 6. I was really hard on it. I think I gave it, like, a 6.5. But that was just because, like, I, I have to hold it to all of the other movies that yeah. that had leading up to it. Um, especially with yeah. yeah and with a new one coming out what next year did this announced which is crazy to me knowing that that that's already pretty much done and already in the works just makes you wonder how much effort they've actually put it you know yeah i know yeah, there's always that question of like did they really write a lot on this well, or was maybe it kind they're of writing just... them at the same time well, that's another thing I was seeing people on Twitter kind of speculating. I was like, I wonder if this was like a trilogy deal. And then one of the the, the director was like, Shh, maybe it was, you know, so. Like they already had this idea in mind when they were making it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm first. hoping that um, whatever they have going on, it's going to be good. Yeah. Well, well I mean, we'll and that's the. Anyway. <laughs> and that's the thing with franchises, too. I mean, they all have their low points. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know. You look at your Friday the Thirteenth, your Halloweens, your Nightmare on Elm Streets. They all have their low points, you know. Sure. Um, uh, Return of the Living Dead is, you know, a perfect example. I love the first three Return of the Living Deads, but you get to Necropolis and Rave to the Grave, and they're complete fucking dog shit. Yes, I I can you agree. Know? <laughs> Can definitely so, agree on that one. So, so. watch up to three. No, I, <laughs> I mean, I'd probably have you watch all of them anyway, just yeah. so you can see yeah. through shit <laughs> and yeah. just like know how everything mm-hmm. kind of fell apart. But I feel like a lot of people do like the first, The Return of the Living Dead. But I see a lot of people really love Return of the Living Dead three more than they oh like the God. first one. I love it. I think it's. I think it is. It is a. It's a great love story. Mm-hmm. Right. And we did uh, a couple couple months ago. We did Reanimator. And 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 I had mentioned I had made the comment that I felt like Return of the Living Dead three was almost like a spiritual successor to Reanimator because okay. it, it's it's similar in the sense that you know uh, girlfriend dies brings girlfriend back to life yeah you know things like that and 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 you know but it, it is it is basically a love story yeah as twisted as that may sound but got a I, different skin on it yeah I agree on that right yeah. And, I mean, the effects hold up really well in that movie, too. So I guess you can kind of really compare it to the first one as well. I haven't seen the second one in a long time, so I do need to revisit Return of the Living Dead 2. I do need to see that. Um, I'm trying to think if there's like anything else that I want to talk about before we jump into this. Um, I know that this year, with uh, the podcast, I really wanted to kind of go out and do more you know well-known things a little bit harder things and we kind of just already reached a really hard movie that we did a couple weeks ago uh, the i spit in your grieve the original one and i have to say that movie and review has i think maybe have put a little bit more of a shine on us in a good way because i was really expecting it to be kind of a a negative thing because it was two guys talking about no movie about uh, the girl being no brutally assaulted, brutally assaulted, and I've been getting a lot of messages almost daily of people saying thank you for doing this episode, and that feels good, you know. And yeah. that's one reason I love doing this podcast. Even though yeah, it's just a couple guys sitting here just talking horror movies, but knowing that you can do some sort of good in the world, 
It was great. You can and, just change yeah. somebody's perspective on something. And I feel like you guys do that almost every episode on the House of Screams. You guys always have that. great points. I mean, Candy, she and she knows how to talk, <laughs> and she always has really good points on everything. And and I love that so much. Um, and you guys really bounce off each other really well. So you guys are definitely made, you know, to be together forever. So that's that's wow. great. I and, appreciate that. As as her husband, I think I can I can say that yes, she knows how to talk. Uh, <laughs> and um, she uh, and she wouldn't argue with that. But you know that's that's the whole reason. Like with our podcast, you know we we do our movie reviews, you know, as the House of Screams. But we also they the girls the the ladies they do Ghouls Night Out, which is a yep. separate uh, type of episode where it's just ladies and they do feminist perspectives. Hmm. And one of the ones that they did was I Spit on Your Grave. Yep. And you know, I mean, essentially, it's a rape revenge film. Yes. And that's not something that's really easy to talk about. You know, especially coming from a male perspective, you know, so, you know, I mean, the fact that, that you guys did it and you're getting these responses, you know, these positive responses, that's, I mean, that's kudos to you guys. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. Like the whole episode I was shaking. I was like, I don't want to say the wrong thing. This is going to ruin us. <laughs> like, I don't want people to hate us for doing this, for touching this you no know, movie that a lot of people don't want to talk about. And it's for good reasons. But I feel like... As us as horror fans, this goes for like any movie though. Us as horror fans, we need to talk about everything. The good, the bad, the ugly, the bloody. You know, you can't just have like sunshine and rainbows all the time or just really good slashers that are really funny and wow, that was a really cool kill and weird effect. I mean, this this movie that we're about to do, The Return of the Living Dead, definitely has a lot of comedy in it, but it does it well. And um I love everything about this movie. Uh, you know, all the references, the the endless quotes that oh, you yeah. just memorize <laughs> every time you watch it. You hear something new. That's like that's really funny. Um, yeah. So I'm really happy to have you on to do this one because I know you were saying this was like your all time, well, pretty much like all time favorite horror movie. And you were just saying this was like you know your, your chill movie. You just go and like watch and just want to have something comfort and get grab a coffee or anything and just sit down and watch this movie and absolutely i mean this is this is my favorite horror film um and i would i would say this is even top five in favorite films in general wow Um, people there are people that have their guilty pleasures Mm -hmm. i don't feel guilty about this like this is my pleasure movie yeah i can agree on that this is very fun um, this, I mean, there's movies I would probably pick over this if I had the chance, but after watching this again fresh today, I can say this is a movie that I really do enjoy. And I love, like, the, the um, In Search and Darkness that they did. They did a little bit of, like, a you know cover on that. I wish they did a little bit more. Um, just the effects in this film are great. The acting is really good because everybody's really funny. Everybody yeah. is great. I mean, it's got Linnea Quigley in it. With the iconic, you know, naked. yeah, new <laughs> dance scene. It, it's great. It's got so much stuff in it. Yeah. Uh, but I think we'll probably start talking about it now. And Sean, if you want to uh, lead the reins and just kind of, you know, open up with what this movie sets us up for, go right ahead, man. dark of the 
night, something strange is going on. So, you know, we're talking about Return of the Living Dead. Like I said, this is my favorite horror movie. Um, I saw this. I was probably way too young to have seen this. Um, <laughs> it's always the case. Yeah. And and I've talked about it, you know, at length on our uh, podcast, The House That Screams, that my family dynamic, my mom absolutely hated horror movies. My dad was a horror fanatic. And... So I was I was kind of torn uh, between the two, and, and my dad, my my mom at the time she was she was working full time plus she was going to school at night, and so my dad you know basically had control over what I viewed in the evening, and we would go to this we had this mom and pop video store down the street you know I'm I, I just turned forty two today so I grew up in the eighties and so we were going to to the video storing at VHS tapes, and it became you know, a thing where we were getting horror movies and bringing them home and watching them. And I was eight years old. Oh, wow. And, okay. And, and, and so, yeah, so I was maybe nine or 10 when I saw this and my dad was a drinker. And when I say a drinker, I mean like the dude would put a movie in and by the time the credits rolled, the, the, the opening credits, he was already passed out on the couch. Wow. <laughs> Okay. And so, 
And so by the time that that Linnea Quigley top, you know, full nude crypt, you know, dance scene showed up, he was already, you know, three sheets into the wind. So he probably didn't (laughs) even realize what, what I was watching. But from the second I saw this movie, it it's one of those films that it it made me laugh, but it traumatized me at the same time. And so that that awakened this curiosity with me. Uh, Hellraiser, and I've I've spoken to this. I spoke to spoke about this on uh, uh, Sledgehammer Horror, my first horror movie. Hellraiser was my first horror movie, and that opened up so much curiosity in me when I saw you know the blood and the gore and you know all of this stuff, and it made me so intrigued as to what horror was. And so this movie was no different. And when I watched this movie for the first time, like this was the movie that really sucked me in to horror and zombies. Um, you know, I think I saw this before I saw Night of the Living Dead. Um, oh, okay. And yeah, yeah. And so, you know, it really, this this movie just just grasped me like no other. And maybe that's why it's one of my favorites because it has such a nostalgic tie to me. Um, but you could have given me, you take just Frank and Freddie, right? Right, right there at the beginning in, in, in the office, you could have given me an hour and a half of just the banter between those two. (laughs) Yeah. And I would have been fine with that. Those uh, Frank Karen and, and Tom Matthews work so well together. Yeah. I have to agree on that. I mean, it's just, they bring the comedic relief. Um, the whole, you know, uh, just like the natural conversation between two goofballs, <laughs> right? Yeah, and you know, and that whole scene where he's telling him the the story of the real Night of the Living Dead, mm-hmm. you know, and the camera is like slowly panning towards his face, and it's just building that tension for that phone call, you know, for the phone to ring, yeah, and it scares the shit out of Freddy. Um, <laughs> I love that scene. <laughs> I love that scene, but you know, and and then the whole like this job. Like, you know, that just the, the banter between those two is just fucking phenomenal. Um, and it just really brings that comedic relief. Yeah. I have to, you know, really stamp that one because you just said it perfectly. This this whole movie is that. It's, yeah. it, it frightens you. It's got some really crazy things that happen. Um, it's very funny, especially when it's really tense and things are going ape shit and whatnot. Thing, and then I'm trying to, like, you know, barricade the doors and, and and then that's failing and then something else happens. It's a roller coaster throughout the whole movie and I love every second of it. Um I think uh Freddie does a great job. I, I love everything he has and everything that he says. Especially when he's like, You mean the movies lied? Yes. <laughs> it's great. Because like yeah. this whole this whole movie, it's it's like a parody on itself, really. Yeah. Even though it's like one of the first ones to really do what it's doing, mm-hmm. um, it you know references Night of the Living Dead a lot. Um, so I think that's another reason why people may have seen this one uh, for them thinking that it was a sequel mm-hmm. to Night of the Living Dead because well, it says it, the, you know it, the Return of the Living Dead on it. Yeah, in in in. I would view this more as, you know, we've heard the word requel thrown around a lot mm-hmm. lately. Um, and, you know, you could technically use that for this, but I would I would see this more as, as a spiritual successor to Night of the Living Dead. And, you know, 
the actual story of Return of the Living Dead was written by John Russo, who also co-wrote Night of the Living Dead. Yep. And when Romero and Russo kind of split, uh, Romero told Russo, look, you can continue to do these films. You can use the Living Dead in the title, and I'll just use Dead. So Romero went on to do Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead, and Russo went on to do Return of the Living Dead. Well, he wrote the novelization to it, and the story for that is so fucking different than the film that we have, you know? And that's, yeah. you, you know, that's because when Dan O'Bannon got the script for this or got got the, the, the chance to, to write and direct this, he was like, no, 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 we're not going to do something serious. That's Romero's turf. You know, O'Bannon just got off, you know, riding the Alien train. He just he, yeah. he wrote the screenplay for Alien, and he was like, no, 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 we're going to do something different. We're going to make this more of a horror comedy. And I love that he did that, because if you've ever read the novelization to Return of the Living Dead, it's so dark and it's so vastly different than what we have on screen. And I just I appreciate this film so much more. Would I love to see a film version of Russo's Return of the Living Dead? Absolutely, because it's it's fucking dark and it's it's just fucking evil. You know I'll have to saying? check I mean, that out. Yeah, definitely yeah. check it out. Uh, it's it's just it's so vastly different than what we have on screen. But what he did with this, bringing in that horror and that comedy element, because there are some dark moments in this film too. Oh yeah. But but it you know he really he took what John Russo did and he just flipped the script and wrote something completely different. And it's you know at, at some points it's off the fucking wall. But that's what I love about it. That's what I appreciate about it so much. Yeah, and I think I was reading up something too. I think Dan actually wanted to play Frank. I think he was he was like you know he was building up the character, but they were like, no, you can just stick to what Story. you just did, you know. Yeah. Um, but I think that would have been kind of an interesting thing. But I know they were saying you know the uh, the people were already playing um, uh, Freddie and Frank were already having a, a really good chemistry, so they didn't want to break that up. So yeah. I can see why they well, did that. I mean, it's the same thing with uh, um, Clue Gulliger. You know, he played Bert, and mm -hmm. that was originally going to be Leslie Nielsen. Oh and, yeah, I know, was reading that from, too. I didn't write from that Naked down. Gun, and and he just Leslie Nielsen just wanted too much fucking money. Um, you know, he's he's coming off the success from Airplane, and you know all these other films that he had done, and he just wanted too much money. So they had a couple other people in line, and it wasn't until like the day before they shot those warehouse scenes yeah. that they, that they signed on clue Golger and clue Golger. I mean, this guy, he's such a staple from the seventies, you know, and he was in, he was in, uh, 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 nightmare on Elm street Two, Yeah. Uh, Freddy's revenge. You know, I mean, he was just, he's such a staple, uh, to movies, you know, of a different era. And he came in and he just fucking killed it as Bert. Like he he's hilarious. I love, I love clue it's Gulliger. great. Yeah. Everything is great. Uh, Aaron, if you want to pull up the IMDb so we can get some, um, you know, stats on how much this was made for and how much it actually made in the box office. I know IMDb usually has that stuff. Aaron's our good uh, IMDb person that comes in this looks Research up all the uh, the actors and yeah. any funky reviews. Nothing. There's no budget. Let me look this up real quick. That's really weird. How how does it? I got not... it. I got it right here. Oh, you do? How much is it? Yeah. So the budget was estimated at four million. And oh it, wow! 
And 85? Gro- and, and it grossed um, opening weekend, which was August 18th, 1985, uh, within U.S. and Canada, 4,403,000. Okay, so it, it pretty much made its money back. And it and worldwide fourteen million. Oh, definitely. Okay, <laughs> definitely made its money back. And, wow. And, and and that's that may be before it reached cult status. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because this movie, um, I don't know if you've ever listened to the audio commentary uh, on the. I just my my loving wife Candy, she bought me the the uh, special edition Blu-ray for this film, and they have all of these different commentaries. And the one I listened to today was with, um, it had Don Kalfa, who played Ernie, um, Alan Troutman, who played Tarman, uh, uh, Beverly, who played Tina, just, you know, a whole bunch of different people. And they were talking about, at the end of the, of the film, they said, did you ever think that this would be, you know, as big as it is? Yeah. And Linnea, Linnea Quigley, who has starred in, she was in Night of the Demons, you know, I mean, she was, she's been in so many different horror movies. And she was like, "No, I just thought this was going to be another shitty horror movie," <laughs> and no one, no one expected this to blow up the way that it did, you know. And it became such a cult status. So those figures may be, you know, yeah. just straight theater box office. Yeah, I, I think that's what they usually are. So I can imagine it yeah. definitely, definitely made like way more. Yeah. Um, and I mean, and 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 this film, you know, I mean, this almost wasn't a Dan O'Bannon film. They had. Toby Hooper. Yep. Was, yes, they did. Set up to to direct this. Now, and we would have gotten a totally different film, you know, because I Dan O'Bannon. See that. <laughs> Dan, Dan O'Bannon wrote, uh, uh, did the screenplays for two Toby Hooper films, uh, uh, Invaders from Mars and Life Force, and so I could only imagine what Toby Hooper would have done with this. I think it would have been less comedic and more, uh, way more, more serious, a, definitely more a serious film. Yeah. Yeah. That's usually how he does like all his films, which I I love Toby Hooper films and you know, I do too. Rest rest in peace, man. We lost so many amazing directors and writers over the last couple of years, or even like oh, ten yeah. or fifteen years. It sucks. Just getting old sucks, you know, because you need to see all your your heroes that you see just just fall to yeah. just life. It sucks knowing that we're we are not immortal yeah, at all. I know. I know. I hate it. Um, and what we got for um, the scores on Rotten Tomato? <clears throat> you want to take a guess, Sean, or you probably already know them? Uh, you know, I didn't even think to look. Um, I would say the critics probably shit all over it. Um, but I would say the audience maybe 70, 80 percent. Close. Uh, audience score 79 percent. Ooh. Um, and the uh, it's actually certified fresh. Yeah. Um, 91 percent from the critics. Really? Yeah. This now movie that, is held high everywhere, man. That shocks me. In the in the world of like Siskel and Ebert's, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like God, Roger Ebert fucking shits on so many fucking horror movies. It's not Yeah, fuck that guy. Fucking <laughs> fucking seriously. I like I used to like listen to the reviews and 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 clips and stuff and I just I can't do it cuz it makes me mad i can't <laughs> yeah. i can't do it even if it's a movie i hate and if he shits on it more than i do i just can't i can't take it right i can't well, take i can't it. Fucking i can't him. tell you how many films i i mean even just friends that have told me oh you know don't go see that it sucks and then i go see it and i fucking love it you know mm-hmm. and and i just i it's hard for me to trust other people's 
reviews and opinions. I love other people's opinions. I, everybody's entitled to their own opinion. The new Texas Chainsaw Massacre came out on Netflix. Yeah. I did not like it at all. See, and I, yeah. And I, had, and, I, and I had people that, you know, complained that I complained about it. And I'm like, look, you know, I'm I'm glad people like it. I'm glad people yeah. enjoy it. And I'm glad that they enjoy it because I want Netflix to make more horror, you know, but it yep. just wasn't for me. It had a different aesthetic than uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is another one of my favorite films, the original. And it just, I think it veered so far away from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre mythos. I agree. I agree a lot. Be because for me, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, it's not just about Leatherface. Mm -mm. He's 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 the the figurehead of the family, but it is about the family. It is mm -hmm. about the, this crazy cannibalistic, you know, psychotic family. And you didn't get that with this. It was all about mutant seventy-year-old Leatherface. Yeah, you know, and just and, brutalizing and, people on a bus. Yeah, and so that that just kind of took it out with me took it out of me and and the whole thing with you know um uh oh shit <laughs> what's her what's the 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 main character's name the one that, that reprised the the role did the whole jamie lee curtis thing um, oh um i don't remember her name either i know i know who you're talking about though I yeah know. that was just like thrown in there i'm so i'm gonna get can so canceled bro uh, uh for no honestly this. there's but, no cancellations here but she, but she takes she takes a chainsaw to the gut and is lifted into the air. Now gravity would tell you that if that chainsaw's running, she's just gonna get split in two. Yeah. But regard, you know, suspension of disbelief. I get it. She gets tossed to the side and is still able to like have conversations and throw shotguns and all that stuff. And that just like totally, totally took me out. And I'm just like, okay. I felt like you I were feeling how I felt, like. I watched the movie twice. I mean, I know we're going like super off topic, but I don't really care. This is why I love having guests on because we just kind of talk <laughs> right. about anything. But um, yeah, I really wanted to like the movie. Really, yeah. really did. And even from the trailers, I was very iffy going into it. I was like, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to see it and just to see where they take me. And I didn't really like the whole, no, hey, let's go buy this land so we can, you know, just have a community here. That's cool. That's not a Texas Chainsaw Massacre thing. No one's going to come and, oh, you're still on my land, so I'm going to go kill you. It's essentially what they were doing, you know, um, and having, like, his, his mother, you know, die, and then that's what sets him off. Like, I can understand that. I guess that's a little bit of like, the family ties, but there was also way more family members so if they with. yeah so if they are going to make another one they have to incorporate the other family members and where they were what they were doing at the time and why he was just alone with his mother you know yeah. and even like the setting that they're in it's like oh this is my house i've been here for for years if this is supposed to be like canon to all the other texas chainsaw massacres they never lived in a in a town they're yeah. always out and in see, like the, the backwoods you know and that's again. That's that whole requel thing. They've rebooted a sequel. Yeah. Um, there was no, there is absolutely nothing wrong with Texas Chainsaw Massacre two, and I will fight a motherfucker over that shit. I like that one. I, I love because it because I I love Texas Chainsaw Massacre two. Um, but you know, I mean, regardless, Sally Hardesty that was her. Oh name. yeah 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 yeah. I, yeah, yeah. Forgive okay. me, forgive me of the brain fart. Um, 
but you know it's it's just one of those things where you know it, they show the picture in the background and it's like it's an orphanage why was he in an orphanage the dude had to have been at least in his 20s in the yeah. original texas chainsaw massacre there's no reason he would be in an orphanage you know what no. i'm saying so i mean you know yes we're going on a tangent we're off topic we're not even <laughs> talking about that i apologize that's my bad hey i love it uh, aaron and i always say that's like i love this kind of this going off and having these different conversations and yeah. Then we eventually get back on track, and then we kind of right. just go off and do other things. But it's great. This is why having guests on always adds more spice in life to podcasts. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, you guys always have spice in life because you have so many people, you know. Dude, but with I- Aaron and I, we kind of, I don't want to say we, like, tread the same trails, but we always kind of go on the same notes. So it's yeah. refreshing to have people on. Yeah. So I appreciate it's- it. It's it's hard to stay on topic when you got five or six people. Oh on, yeah, yeah, on a yeah. Podcast. Um, I can't tell you how many times balls and dicks and vaginas get brought up, and we just kind of, <laughs> you know, next thing you know, it's we're not even talking about whatever we originally were talking about. So. And that's what's great about your your show. It's just it's always chaotic, but I live for the chaos. <laughs> yeah, we try to make it controlled chaos, but that doesn't always happen. No, but that's okay. You guys are doing the best you can. Um. So I have a couple of facts here for this movie. Um, one that I thought I knew, but I was remembering it wrong. Um, I always thought it was a different movie that started the whole zombies want to eat brains. But I don't remember what movie I was thinking about. And then when I read that, I was like, yeah, this was the movie. If there was no zombie movies before this, that was like, I got to eat your brain. This one's very like... Brains? Yeah. Brains. Yeah. Bring more cops, you know? Yeah. Like that stuff. It's great. Yeah. Um, so that's a, that's a really funny uh, note. Another thing, too, uh, I didn't realize that they were expecting this movie to go on television to be, like, actually broadcast. So I found out that, because on f- the back of Freddy's jacket, it says, fuck you. And I guess they made a duplicate that said television version. Yeah. Which is really funny. Mm-hmm. Well, so so there were some scenes in this film that they knew weren't going to be able to make it to TV. So when they when they were filming the actual film, they reshot the same scenes for the television version. And so so a lot of the scenes that they filmed, they filmed twice. Uh, once for the once for the theatrical release and once for the television. That's that's probably why they had a huge budget because <laughs> yeah. they had to do reshoots. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. That's cool. And Aaron, I know you were saying earlier about the the calf brains. Oh yeah, yeah. That's also a really funny tidbit. Because usually mm-hmm. like, nowadays, if they do anything that's like meat, if there's someone like munching on meat, it's just like cooked up with beef or something in like mm-hmm. an intestine. But this one's like actual, like straight up brain. Yeah. Brains. <laughs> well, and that's and that's kind of a throwback, you know, with with Ramiro when he did uh, Dawn of the Dead um, and Day of the Dead. They were using real like animal intestines. Mm-hmm. And there's such a funny story with Day of the Dead that they had to go on hiatus for a couple of weeks. And while they were on hiatus, those those animal organs, those intestines were in a freezer and the power had gotten shut off. Mm-hmm. And so all of those intestines that they had purchased had went bad. And so if you ever watch Day of the Dead and you watch that scene at the end where Rhodes gets pulled in half, Mm -hmm. he literally, like, on screen passes out when he says choke on him 
because he's really passing out in real life because of the smell of all of those animal organs. I don't, I don't blame him. (laughs) And so, and so kind of like with, with what Romero did with, with day of the dead, all of the extras, he paid them a dollar and a donut (laughs) to, to play as, to play as zombies. And so with return of living dead, anybody who ate, like physically ate the real calf brains that they had, that he paid them five dollars. There you yeah. go. Yeah, can't do that nowadays. No, it's got to be someone on site at all times, and we make sure oh. that stuff is safe to eat. P- Peter would, Peter would be all over your shit. Oh. Dumping buckets of blood. Yeah, all they. Shit. Yep. It's like this is yeah. real pig's blood. It's like, oh, you're shut down. Sorry. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Um, another funny thing that I think everybody kind of knows, uh, except for probably you, Aaron, since this is like your first time seeing this movie, is that there's like an eye, an, um, an eye doctor test on the back that they actually read out, like written out hmm. a real text, and it says Bert is a is a slave driver and a cheap son of a bitch who's also going bald too. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, it's like an inside I joke they had. It's great. I love it. There, you know, there's so many things in this film. That when I watched this, I mean, subsequently throughout my teen years and, and early twenties, that I didn't, I didn't really catch, and I see them now that I'm older. Is one of them being Ernie, um, Don Calfa's uh, character, the uh, mortician who mm-hmm. works in uh, the, the crematorium. He is he is a a Nazi, and like an actual Nazi. I see. I never knew, noticed this, but if you look in the background. He has a picture of uh, Goebbels and Hitler. He has a picture of Eva Braun. The gun that he's using is a German uh, Walther uh, pistol. Hmm. The The music he's listening to is a German African core uh, song. And listening to the uh, the audio commentary that Don Kalf is on, they ask him about this. And he said that when Dan O'Bannon told him that he was a German... Uh, working in a crematorium, he had this idea. So he got all of this German, like, memorabilia and stuff and brought it in so that wow. he has this, like, backstory that he's, like, this, like, uh, uh, hidden Nazi who escaped World War II, and he's working in, a, of all places, a fucking crematorium. <laughs> you know what? I was you kind know? of thinking in the back of my mind that maybe he was... Like, kind of like his own personal touch yeah. in the character. That's great. And uh, if yeah. I have to pick a favorite... Out of anybody in the cast, I'm. It's actually Ernie. I think he is hilarious. Yeah, everything he does, like everything that goes so south for this guy, immediately. Yeah, I love it. I mean, yeah. everybody is is great in, in this movie, but he's definitely my favorite. Do you have a, a favorite Aaron out of the cast? If you had to pick one, like if you could, if you had to spend the movie, say, if you were in this movie and you had to spend it with one cast member, uh, only one. Who would it be? Hmm. Honest, I wish it was more Tarman. Tarman, you want to spend <laughs> your time with Tarman? Nah. Um, <laughs> You're dead. <laughs> no, Ernie is funny. You're Tarman, but um, Tarman too over here. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, Ernie was funny as shit. Um, but um, I don't know. Uh, if I if I can only pick one, I would pick Ernie. Ernie, yeah. what about you, Sean? If you could, if you had to spend the whole movie, you are in this movie. And you had to stick it out with one person, like how Ernie has to do at the end with Tina. Who would you pick? Oh, man. See, that's a tough one because Teenage Me is like trash all the way. Yeah. Right? After after seeing that 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 
that <laughs> to that that crypt dance. Oh yeah, uh, but <laughs> I don't know, man. I th- but Ernie had a shit together too. He was the one who took initiative at the end, you know, for the yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, probably Frank, man. Mm. Probably Frank. He was fucking hilarious. You yeah. know, he like fucked fucked everything up. You he, he went straight just, in front. He is. That's my guy, man. That's my guy. <laughs> All right. Well, you, you're Freddy now. Okay. So you that's, both are gonna I, die together. That's. I'm. I'm down with that. I'm down. Well, with actually, that. if you were Frank, you would have incinerated yourself if yeah, you were with and, him. So you probably would have went right with him. But okay. And I. I got to tell you, maybe we're jumping a little bit, but when Frank put himself in that, that is my favorite scene in this film. It's really heartbreaking. It's I, so sad. Just the and and the funny thing was he came up with that. Frank Karen came up with that. Um, Love that stuff, man. He Dan O'Bannon. Dan O'Bannon actually had him just turning into a zombie and joining the the horde, and that was going to be the end of him. And the funny thing was Frank Karen. He was like, I don't want to stand out in the rain. He was <laughs> like, I don't blame him. Give me give me something different. He's like, how about what if I go and I just put myself in the in the cream in the the oven and dan was like go for it let's do it and the whole thing with him putting his wedding ring Mm. on it and everything like that was all him him praying and i just and the music the soundtrack to this film is fucking amazing Mm -hmm. and they agree yep and and the just that whole scene of him going you know when when for when they turn in the in the cathedral and you know they're dealing with freddie and he throws that acid in his face and all that stuff and you see Frank just kind of slither out the back, <laughs> you know, and and he goes to that oven and they, you know, they play that that music and he just sits there and he prays and he puts his wedding ring on there and he climbs in there like that. It's so heart wrenching, but it oh, my God, it fits so well. Yeah, it's such a great scene. And I'm just surprised too. like, I know this is like the end of the movie, but. I'm surprised, but like Freddie already at the point of like wanting brains, how much like resistance he must have had to have, like Frank must have had to get him to go to the area, not want to like eat anybody and just straight up like know that he's still human, mm-hmm. even though that they, you know, Freddie and him were contaminated at the same time. Like, it's just crazy to think that he was able to still do that. Maybe he's yeah. exposed a little at a time over the years where and so he built up resistance. That's, that's, <laughs> a, funny, that's a kind of cool conspiracy yeah, I, theory right it, there, too. That the trioxin could have been slowly leaking for years and no yeah. one knew. Um, no, you're right. And and it's funny, too, because it does I, – I thought about this today when I was watching it. It kind of puts a play on, like, the whole, like, you know, what is it that causes people to change so quickly? So – you know, suicide got bit. He was the first person to go when Tarman bit him, mm-hmm. and then Trash later on in the cemetery. But she turned and came back, and we never saw Suicide come. Oh, yeah. yeah, you know, and Scuzz never came back, and he was mm-hmm. the one that was bitten by the 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 half zombie yeah. uh, female that we see later. But you know, so so there are different. You know, what it shows us is there are different. Um, time timetables for when people turn you know or or if they turn yeah you know so it gets you wondering what the different like uh like what causes it to, you know the different time frames you know like yeah. something in the head some kind of chemical 
Yeah, we maybe can, if you were it, doing a lot of drugs, maybe that's it latched onto the drugs and this amplified it. Yeah, it, that's a yeah. lot of like, you know, factors that probably could have went into that. I would say they were out in the rain and stuff, so maybe that's what kind of amplified it. And oh, plus, yeah, she was also really... naked, so you know, it probably like you know absorbed through her skin or something. Yeah. Plus, plus you have to take into account, you know, uh, suicide only got bit by the one zombie. She got attacked by like twenty old men. Yeah, you know, which was her worst fucking fear. Yeah. Uh, what a way to go. <laughs> yeah, what, she was like, do you ever fantasize about dying? Yeah, and he's like, no. He's like, I, I try not to think about dying. <laughs> I love that. I love that so much. Because it's, I mean, it pretty much foreshadows her death. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. But so, so when we, on House That Screams, we've started doing interviews. And Miguel Nunez was our very first interview. And that was kind of like, you know, Candy and I had discussed, like, you know, we, we should try to reach out to some of these people, see if they're interested. And so she started just shooting her shot. And she was sending emails out to all kinds of people. And Miguel Nunez just shot back and was like, yeah, I'll do this. Now, unfortunately, because of, of circumstances, I wasn't able to be a part of that interview. Uh, it was Candy and Rob uh, who got to do that. But I got to edit it. And I, you know, listening to Miguel Nunez, the guy is so cool. Uh, <laughs> he's so about the fans. He loves making films. You know, he he was demon in, in Friday the 13th. Um, he went on to play in uh, Street Fighter. Uh, I mean, he's just, he's, he's had an amazing career. And uh, he just, he's such a down-to-earth guy. And, you know, he's so conscience- of how much the fans love these films. That's good. And that whole scene with with uh, Miguel Nunez and Linnea Quigley, and like you said, when she's like, you know, do you ever fantasize about dying? And he's like, oh, I try not to think about dying too much. Like, <laughs> you know, but he's he is one of the heroes of this film. Mm-hmm. You know, um, very true. You 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 think about the end. You know, you've got you've got. Ernie and and Tina who go up into the attic and then you've got Bert and Miguel Nunez and you know they end up taking the the cop car and they run off and you know so they're like the heroes of this film yeah you know he's like super nerdy and stuff but you know hey that's fine <laughs> right he right the, right he was the um sheep of the punks you know yeah he was They're... trying he was trying to fit in as best as he could you know yeah yeah, yeah. And, then... and that's it and that's the thing that i love about this film is that it's so punk oh, you know yes it, it, it's so like you had your your new your, you have your new wave guy um who i think his name was chuck uh you had your british mod who was scuzz suicide was the punk you know, I mean, you had all of these different people that hung out, and it was just so, like, I don't know, there was so something so much different about this film than any of the other films that I saw in the 80s, especially zombie films. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I think... The fact that the zombies couldn't talk or, like, you know, think, you know, like, I'm going to go on this radio, I'm going to call for more, you know, more brains. Yeah, more paramedics. Yeah, yeah. yeah. More. Just, yeah. No other zombie movie, uh, as far as I've seen, at least, you know, has done anything like that. It's different. It sets stuff apart. I think even like 
till this day, I don't think anybody's really done anything like this. I think this is still kind of like they all just kind of shuffle thing. and like grumble. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll get you. Which is kind of funny because actually Romero started to go this route. Um, if you watch, you know, he did he did the original trilogy, uh, Night, Dawn, and Day. Yeah. But if you go past that and you start looking at the other films he did, Land of the Dead, uh, Survival of the Dead, Diary of the Dead, they started to learn. It was almost like they, they evolved a little bit. And in Land of the Dead, you know, you had them where they, they were using things. They learned how to use tools and shit yeah the tools and they were able to communicate with grunts and groans and you know things like that so it, it's almost like he started to go that path anyway yeah. you know and and that's where you know that divergence when when John Russo and, and so like I wanted to talk about like how much I love the soundtrack to this film uh there are so many great bands on this soundtrack you had the damned you had TSOL the cramps uh, this is one of those those films that that when I watched it, like it was my first time hearing some of these bands, and I'm a huge Cramps fan. I love the Cramps. I love the Damned. Um, you know, you think about the scene with Linnea Quigley mm-hmm. uh, when she gets nude. Um, that was 45 Grave, and they. Uh, no, I take that back. Hold on, edit that out. Okay. <laughs> You got it. Because <laughs> I was, I looked down at my page and I'm like, shit, I'm not even on the right page of notes. Um, you think about the scene with with Linnea Quigley when she's on the grave. Uh, it was uh, SSQ, and I mean that song's fucking iconic. Um, the uh, the 45 Gray song, uh, "Do You Want a Party?" Yeah. When the fucking skull comes out, you know, it's just the very music iconic this, scene. Yes, yes. And and even the you think about the intro, the way this movie starts and it, you know, it goes on for 10 15 minutes before the intro credits even begin. Yeah. And that fucking music when that trioxin's coming out, you know, it's just oh my god, every time I hear that music I get goosebumps. I See that's the thing that I I like about 80s movies a lot is that they all for the most part, um, slashers, I guess, maybe not as much. But for movies like this, are kind of like creating a new thing. Like we got like, you know, Trick or Treat. We got like Black Roses and stuff like that. The music is great. I'm a huge 80s metalhead. You know, yeah. I was born in the 90s, but you know, it is what it is. I, I, I love my music. Um, so, yeah, this is definitely one of those movies I would definitely uh, hold as a standard of metal or punk in the 80s for any movie um you know you got black roses that's very like um hair metal same with kind of trick-or-treat but it's also got some more serious stuff it's got like dio and things on it and this is your mm-hmm. punk movie this is your, your punk rock you know slight into the metal the like, universe it's it's great the 80s had everything and then once mm-hmm. it hit the 90s it was still kind of there, you know, the music was there, but it got a little more industrial because, you know, the music industry was changing. Still with synthesizers. <laughs> yeah, so, like, you had, like, a lot of, like, Nine Inch Nails and, and stuff with, like, and then you got into, like, the 2000s, which was kind of the mix of same, like, metal, but still very more industrial. And then... That's where your new metal came in. You had your corn yeah. and... Yeah. Yeah, and then like you you reach until like the 2010s until now 
where it seems like a lot more things are very orchestral. It's a lot yeah. more heart to it. Um, there's still, you know, really rocking tunes in some movies, but everything is like way more. Um, you need to feel an emotion, you know, more orchestras and listen to this badass song while these people kill fucking zombies you know <laughs> yeah yeah unless like you're, you're talking about like resident the resident evil yeah. movies they definitely had it but those movies are eh, you know yeah. Th- those, yeah. th- the their movies was, was all right but yeah the first one's okay but yeah that's this movie has all of that and then it kind of like sets up for like the rest of the 80s because everything after this was kind of doing the same thing just kind of amping up getting some really awesome tunes in there. Angie may have never even heard of, but then you hear that song like, Oh, that's an awesome song. And then you start liking that band. It's great. And it's, yeah. it's a good time. You know, it's, it's a party movie. This is a movie. It's a party movie. Absolutely. And, you know, and this was, this was at a time, you know, like nowadays you watch a movie, you hear a song, you can fucking Google it. Yep. You can, you know, Shazam you can, it. You can, you can <laughs> yeah, you can easily find out what that song was, but you know, back in the eighties and the early nineties, you couldn't do that. You had to you watch know? the movie so you, and wait for the credits. <laughs> right. You had to find out who it was. And so, you know, you watch and you, you know, I would, I would watch the credits. I remember being a teenager and watching the credits and seeing, you know, well, what band sang this song. And when I saw that the cramps did surf and dead, I was like, you know, Oh, I got to check these guys out. So I immediately, you know, go out and try to find some of their albums. You know, of course, back then it was all tapes and CDs. Yeah. But, you know, and you go out and you find these, these bands and it's just like, like music and movies are the two things that I've always had. You know, those were the two things that I loved the most. And being able to use movies to find music, you know, that was that was like a, a, a thing that that was pre Google. That was pre internet, you know? Yeah. Being able to being able to find that stuff. So, you know, that's just you know, finding the soundtracks and the soundtrack to this is just fucking phenomenal. I actually have this soundtrack downloaded on my phone. So that I can listen to Hell it. Hell yeah, man! Want. You know, I, I I'm able to listen to it all the time now, um, but you know, and and branching away from from the the soundtrack to talk about something that is really personal to me, something that I bring up a lot on the House of Screams, uh, special effects. Um, yes. Now, now, this is not you know, and I said this is one of my favorite movies. That's not me saying that this is the best movie ever. I know there are better movies than this. And I know there are movies out there who the special effects blow this movie away. But, you know, for what this movie did, uh, the special effects, all shout-outs to Kenny Myers, who came in here, and he was not the original special special effects guy in this. I was reading um, that earlier. Yeah, Aaron was talking about that, yeah. Yeah, and so he came in late, and he had to basically take over uh, what had already been done. Now, this guy had, had done work on uh, Friday the 13th Part 2. He he worked on Dead Heat. Um, so, Great you know, movie. I mean, he's, he's, he's got some, you know, he's he's got uh, 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 some good movies that he's worked on. So he came in here and he did the damn thing. And then, um, real quick, give me a second. I'm going to... Take oh, the, uh, the our, our half Our half zombie, our lady friend... Um, who gets brought in and put on the table? Um, she can feel herself rot. That's I love that's, that. That's so creepy, but really says. funny. <laughs> right, the pain of being dead. <laughs> um, but you know that was that was Tony Gardner. Um, this guy did Evil Dead Two, Army of Darkness, Lost Boys. Um, he did. He worked on the Thriller, uh, Michael Jackson's uh, music video. 
uh, one of my favorite films, Nightbreed. Um, Love Nightbreed. I think we're covering that this year too. Oh, dude, that's such a good film. But he, uh, you know, he he's the one that that designed the the half lady corpse, and he gave her these piercing blue eyes, right? And yeah. she has the most beautiful set of chompers. <laughs> no <laughs> lips, no lips, just teeth, and and the thing that Candy and I talked about this earlier. The thing about that whole half corpse when she's on that table is it's the little details, right? And you see this little bit of spinal fluid come out every time. Oh, yeah, little... I noticed that. Oh, And my when God, it's, she's, I like, flopping that. around. Yes, yeah. I love it. I love it. It's it's just those little details. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like they didn't have to do that. They could have just had her little spine just kind of wiggling <laughs> around. But but to just have so that. Those couple that drops. Piece... Yeah. And, and the funny thing is, Brian Peck, who played Scuzz in this film, um, the one that was actually killed by the female zombie, he's the one underneath that table That's pumping funny. That spinal <laughs> fluid out. Um, but yeah, I just I love the the little intricate details. Um, you know, it's not so much special effects, but the set uh, with the the crematorium. They had Dan O'Bannon had spent weeks uh, researching different mortuaries and different crematoriums, and taking pictures of a bunch of different places to to design that set so that it was so similar and even Don Kalfas said in the audio commentary that uh he's done a couple conventions where like actual people who work at mortuaries have come to him and told him that he did such a good fucking job <laughs> because they like the, the where he talks about how they have to turn the heat up to burn the heart because it's the 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 like toughest, the toughest muscle, muscle. That, that that's a real thing. And he said that, that one of the guys that he talked to that worked at a mortuary said that half the time they don't even do that. They just throw it away. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which is fucked up. Yeah. That's super disrespectful. Right, right. <laughs> you know, might as well just give it to the family. Like, Sorry, can it burn <laughs> it? Here's his heart. Like, cook it up, yeah. slice it. <laughs> might be yeah. good for dinner. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. We're just going to drop that in the urn and cover it with ashes. And... Oh, that reminds me, you know you can eat placenta? Yes, you can. <laughs> I just learned yes. that. That's fucking... Yes, there, oh. there are people that do that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it's, it's like a ritualistic shit. type thing. Yeah. yeah. I couldn't. <laughs> no, I... I, I you, do you have kids? Yeah. I, I, I have my son who just turned four, so... Okay. Yeah. Did, did, did you see the placenta? Yes, I did. So did I. I would not eat that. No, I wouldn't. It's just like, just get it out of here. Get it out of here. Like, for two seconds, it's like, oh, that's kind of cool. But then you're like, nope, go away. Yeah, no, nope, nope. Or is it just like I'm this done. goopy, neat, like... It's just like a sack that's oh, yeah. filled with, like, huh. liquid, and it's all bloody, and... Huh. And then you got yeah. the... Humans are weird. It's like, we gotta yeah. push it out. They're like, and... and... Ugh. And shout out to all the ladies who were able to endure childbirth. Yes, right. yes. My nothing, my fiance is in the other love. room. Yeah, nothing but love. So, and us guys, you know, we're pains of asses. But um, thank you for putting up with all that stuff. You know, <laughs> absolutely. There was actually some really funny quotes that I have in here. There was one. I think it's when, uh, every, like they're in the um mortuary, and then the group's outside, and they're trying to get in. And they're banging on the door, and I, and I think it's Ernie who opens the door, and he's like, are you guys on PCP? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. No. yeah. There's a lot of, like, really funny, like, references to, like, you know, the 80s of people just you know, doing drugs and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, 
crap, I could have sworn it was another one. I also kind of like how they always timestamp, like, the movie. Like, hey, this is, it's this time now. Oh, yeah. It, yeah. It, knowing that all of it just kind of happens in um in a day, right before, you know, mm-hmm. July 4th and everything. Yeah. So you can technically watch this movie, and then you can go watch Jaws, you know? Yeah. There so, you go. There you go. <laughs> or or even Independence Day. Yeah. Yeah, that too. You can you can see that, that there. movie in forever. But I mean, you know, it's it's funny because the whole thing is is air quotes here based on a true story. Yeah, the, I have that written here too. That's really funny. And like yeah. all the characters and, mm-hmm. and even the locations are real. You need a you need a medical supply. Well, even and and Linnea quickly had had mentioned in the auto commentary that that when people come to conventions and see her and, and we got to, we got to meet her. Uh, we went to the Mahoning drive-in last year for uh, Joe Bob's uh, Jamboree. It's awesome. And they were showing night of the demons and she was there and we got to meet her and she's such an amazing person. She's such a beautiful soul, but she had talked about how people actually believe cause the film's set in Louisville, Kentucky. Yeah. And, and people actually believe that they filmed in Louisville, Kentucky, which they didn't. They filmed in, you know, in Los Angeles. In yeah. Bank. Um, but she said that she has people that come up and tell her they know exactly where that building <laughs> is in Louisville. That's and funny. She, and she's just blown away because she's like, we didn't even fucking film in Louisville. <laughs> but, you know, it's funny because people will people will see a building and they're like, that's where it was filmed. Yeah. You know, that that was the place. But it's like they no. need to know that it's a real place. Like they want to yeah. feel like it's a real place in their hometown. Yeah. That's funny. Mm-hmm. I was actually trying to get Linneo on here, but man, it's it's not her, it's her agents, you know. This is the one yeah. thing. It's like sometimes going to the the actor straight up is a little bit better than having to go through like the contact information. Yeah. But I know that she's been doing like a lot of conventions and stuff, so she wasn't able to get back to me. Um but yeah. I've messaged her agent, and they're like, "Oh yeah, it's like I want to know if like Linnea can come on." She's like, uh, "How many people you know like are you know your audience?" So I gave her that, and they're like, "Oh well, we're gonna want like five percent or whatever you guys are making off this." I'm like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" Yeah, like we're not making shit off of this. <laughs> it's like we're barely making anything right now. Like this isn't the whole reason why we're doing it. We're just doing it, you know, for the fun of it and as best friends and. Yeah. whatnot like I, i'm not reaching out to have to pay a guest if to they want to come on yeah. you know like i mean like i'll be more than happy to do it if it's reasonable but if you're asking for like a percentage right of the episode i just think that's really scummy you know they kind of they kind of view it you know i i see some of them view it as like how they do conventions right yeah and so like they want a percentage of you know the profits or you know they get to keep whatever you know whatever they charge for pictures mm-hmm. and autographs you know and i get that but if it's something, you know, you're just doing a podcast. You know what I'm saying? You're just yeah. When when Candy reached out to Miguel Nunez, uh, who plays Spider in this, he he told her yes, right? Just straight up yes. And when when he came on and did the interview, he told her, he said, I can show you in my phone all of the the no's that I've sent out. And he's like, for some reason, I just, I just said yes. That's and, awesome. And that was fucking, yeah, that's super awesome. Um, and you know, we've, we've reached out to a lot of other people. We've reached out to Tony Todd. We've reached out to Ken Faree. Um, you know, and a lot of them we've got responses from, and they're just like, you know, I'm kind of, I'm just too busy. Yeah. Which is understandable. Totally understandable. I'll get back to you. Mark Patton, uh, from Freddy's revenge. 
yeah uh, who that would be an awesome did, one who also did the 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 scream queen yeah uh, i love documentary. that documentary oh it's so good it's sad and, but it's really good it is and he's such a nice guy and you know candy and him have been you know communicating back and forth with emails and we had him set up for a show and then he started filming in tennessee for a film and he got too busy and you know what that's cool yeah that's cool you know we're just a fucking lowly podcast you know exactly whenever you've got the time you know um we've had the opportunity to get uh uh, Vic Victor from the Coffin Cats on. Um, yeah, that that was an he, awesome episode. By the way, he was super cool. Uh, we actually got to go see them uh, when they came here to play and hang out with him and the band. That's uh, awesome. That's cool. The show. Uh, we got Grady Hendrix on. You know, I mean, we've we've had an opportunity to get some people on and talk to them, and a lot of people, you know, that we send send emails to. We're just shooting our shot. Yeah, that's like yeah, what I've been doing. That's all too. you can do, you know, just it, what's what's the worst they can say? No. no. Yeah, and you if know? they ask for that percentage, just say sorry, another time. This was like right, yeah. it's like that's fine. Um, you we'll get back try, to you another time. Find out. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, there, there is one person I have been recommending to everybody that you need to reach out to, or I'll have him reach out to you. He's a very close friend to ours, and every guest that comes on, I try to mention it while I have you guys here on the show, just so I can give him a little bit more ex- exposure and stuff. I, I, I'm also a co-host on his show. But um, Dean of the Dead Hot Sauce, he's from the UK. Mm-hmm. He is a horror fanatic. He makes horror-themed hot sauces. He's such a down-to-earth guy. He's actually coming over to the U.S. for the first time ever, and Aaron and I are going to meet him because we live in Massachusetts, so we're going to go over to Salem, and you know, we're going to show him around over there. Nice. But if you guys really want like a down-to-earth, just talk horror or anything that he's doing, because he ha- right now... He has hot sauces. He, he has beer. He's got jellies. Um, so many things a going on. Podcast. Now he's trying a podcast Working and full time. Yeah, and now he's trying to do like a production company. He wants to make movies and stuff. This this guy, he he he's in his forties. I think he's actually the same age as you, Sean. Uh-huh. And he is he's the best guy. He's on Instagram, Dean of the Dead Hot Sauce. So. If you can reach out to him or even just like like him, you will love him. He's an awesome guy. I just wrote it down, so I will definitely look that up when we get just done. Just let him know I sent you. And he'll be like, I got you, man. He's you he, he's an awesome guy. Um we're really kind of behind on his podcast because he's working so much, but he's 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 so sweet. Um he's actually trying to come over here the main reason because he wants to get a distributor over here so he can start selling it to this in the states mm-hmm. so i'm trying to like also give that word out to other podcasts that are in the, the states so other people can hear it and i think um with you guys that that actually might be something that will will happen because you guys run a huge show and well you 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 sold me on beer so I'm, <laughs> yeah I'm yeah and they're him. all horror themed guess what his beer is called just take a guess what? just guess i Ales from the Crypt. Oh, I love it yeah. already. Yeah, he has all, all the images. Spicy or something, right? Yeah, it's pineapple and ghost pepper, I think. I'm sold. I'm sold. I just, I was just talking to somebody today. I had a beer. Oh, it's been a while, but it was called uh, Maya Mocha Stout, and it's got a habanero in it. Ooh. And it was, and it was like spicy going down. Oh my God. Yeah. So I'm hooked. I'm going to. I'll reach out to him definitely. Yeah, I think all you guys are like I'm like let everybody know on the show. Get him on all the shows. 
because yeah. uh, this guy is amazing. Uh, he's that's, coming down. That's super cool. Yeah, that's super and cool. We. The thing is, too, is like he was our first guest, our very first mm-hmm. guest, and um, since this is like our a one year anniversary as well, just knowing the connections or just friendships that you make just by doing this is, I think, way better than having a guest on that's like famous. You know, like. Being oh, friends yeah. with you guys now, it, it's, it's we've awesome. We've had multiple recurring guests. Yeah. Um, you know, we have like, a yeah. um, uh, horror gamer who's over at um, Horror Haven LLC with his uh, his co-host, um, Gabby. It was really good. We've been on your show a couple of times. Um, I think Ken from, you know, Sledgehammer is going to be coming on also. Oh, so we're setting that up in the background. Ken's awesome. I love his his YouTube show. Absolutely. Um, who else have we had on it? Oh, we've had like a few streamer bunnies of mine that come on that are coming on this year again. It's great. And I think it was like a month in, like, I don't know. I think Dean followed us or something on Instagram. Yeah. And I think he messaged me. He's like, Hey man, I, I like, I like what you guys are doing. And I just reached out to him. I was like, I was like, Aaron, you think I should reach out to him? He's doing like all horror stuff. Should we maybe try to get him on and just kind of talk about it? So we did. And it was so fun, and he was so down to earth, and he's his backdrop behind him is great. He's got he's a huge Freddy fan, so him and Candy would get along great. He oh, loves awesome. Freddy. He has this really funny story too. I know, like way off topic, but this is this is this is good stuff. Because um, he he works at conventions like all year, especially this year. He has stuff booked all over the place in the UK, just going to conventions, selling his stuff, and he's like making a killing right now, which is great. Um, but he has one that he said that he was with um, his girlfriend and Robert England was there. And I guess he, I don't know. I think he said he was working a booth, but he, but he saw Robert England go into the bathroom and uh, his girlfriend was like, you, you need to go, go, go see him. This is your time now. <laughs> so he, um, he was like, I don't know if I want it, but he's like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to do it. So he, he went in there and he was taking a piss and he describes it. I was like, he was like taking a piss Next to Freddy Krueger, because I guess he was like clearing his throat. He's like going, <clears throat> so he had like the the Freddy sound and everything. He's like, I'm <laughs> fucking taking a piss next to Freddy Krueger. It's great. It's it's oh, amazing. So He's awesome. got so many funny stories, and he actually has a lot of guests lined up right now. He actually did um, uh, an interview with. Oh my god, I'm, I am drawing a blank. Um, oh my god. So. Um, Bob Elmore. He just did an interview with Bob Elmore. That was really, really nice. cool from uh, yeah. um, Texas Chainsaw 2. Yeah. Um, and crap, there was another one he just did. Um, and Russ Striner. So he did that one. Oh. So that's a really good one to listen to. It says Dean of the Dead um, or a podcast. He only has, we only have three episodes out right now. But he did this with his other friend and they literally dived into all of George Romero's like up to night of the living dead and like his part it's really good it's like two hours long but dude just listening to him talk is great because it's rust the whole time (laughs) that's amazing yeah rust striner's fucking legend yeah so i was like thinking i was like hmm maybe i should reach out to rust striner that'd be kind of cool you guys should do it (laughs) too just fucking do it you know that would be cool that would definitely be cool considering you guys all love george romero too you know I kind of had a similar bathroom experience with uh, one of my fucking idols, Tom Savini. Oh, um, yeah. We we were at, we have a local uh, horror con here called Horror Hound. 
and he had come to Warhound. And he was really the whole reason Candy and I had went. Mm -hmm. There were some other people we wanted to see there, but he was the fucking reason. And I'm standing, Candy had, had excused herself to go to the, to the women's room. And I'm standing in the hallway waiting for her. And all of a sudden this guy walks past me and walks into the men's room. And I like follow him with my eyes and I look over and there's this other, the stranger, this man standing across from me. And he looks at me and goes, was that Tom Savini? And I said, yeah, I think it was. And the guy fucking booked right into the bathroom <laughs> to, to chase after him. And I was like, I'm not going there. I'm not doing that. I'm not going to be that guy. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to be that guy. Oh, there you go. Everybody's got bathroom stories. We have bathroom stories with uh, some of the band members of Ice Nine Kills that we've we've met and we were pissing with them and stuff so it's kind of funny <laughs> yeah so. well when we were we were at uh, uh monster mania uh uh charnis yeah spencer uh, charnis yeah. spencer charnis he was there got to see him yeah yeah he's an awesome dude uh we've been yeah. trying to get him on but he's he's so busy right now that it's it's impossible you know because he's got a tour right now and everything he's oh yeah I could he's always that. doing shit you know but that's yeah. like a dream but it's kind of cool too because he supports us on patreon he was like yeah. our very first Patreon supporter, which is crazy. Because I don't think we awesome. even like sent it to him or anything either. No, I just posted it and like I follow him and stuff. So maybe there was like a, an overlap he used there. You follow me on Twitter, actually. And like Aaron and I were like, "Is this the right one?" We <laughs> we had to go and like look at his actual like like business email or whatever, yeah. and it matched like everything word from word. You know, if it was lowercase, uppercase. It, it was perfect. I was like, yeah. what the fuck, dude? That's crazy. That is fucking awesome. Just knowing stuff like that happens. So, like, running a podcast is so much more than just, like, you know, talking to guests. Like, it's good. It oh, yeah. It does boost numbers, obviously. But dude, just I mean, having the, conversations. Creating these connections, yeah. No, it's, it's what I... The, the friends that you make. I mean, with our podcast, like, the people that are on our podcast, The House That Screams... A lot of them aren't even weren't even members from the beginning. Mm -hmm. You know, Candy and I started this just the two of us, and these are people that you know we had met along the way. Mm -hmm. That they had come on and they had done subs subsequent episodes, and it was like, you know what? Why don't you just do this full time? You know, and they ended up joining us. You know, and so, but even more so than that, just the friends that we've made along the way. You know, you guys, uh, Ian from and Nico from uh, Podcast of the Damned. Yep, great uh, podcast. Boomer from Podcast in the Woods, uh, uh, Sledgehammer Horror. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, we've just, we've we've made so many different connections and so many friendships. And, you know, but even more than that, you know, I mean, there are so many great podcasts out there. And I think the thing that I've found the most is that so many other horror podcasts, like we all help each other. Yeah. We don't. I, there are a lot of podcasts out there that I follow on Twitter that they pro, they don't know me, yeah. But they re, but they retweet us. You know, when we post an episode, they retweet us, and that's the thing. Like, it's all about looking out for each other. There exactly. should be, and we've talked about this on the House of Screams a couple times, and I know the girls have talked about it on Ghouls Night Out episodes. There is so much gatekeeping in horror, and not you know, I see it a lot on social media. But just in real life, in reality, you know, like like sharing is caring. Exactly. And if if you run a podcast, you're not competing. No. There are so many there are so many fucking horror podcasts out there. Like I 
we we release episodes that get a shit ton of views, right? And then sometimes we release episodes maybe 30 people listen to. Yep, that's that's and, what happened to us too, yeah. And it and it's real easy to look at that and be like, "God, I'm a failure." But you know what? That's not the case. No. I we do this for fun. We do this to have fun. I have a full-time job. Um we all do this because we enjoy talking about these things and it's all about the enjoyment. It's all about having fun. It's not about how many people download. It's not about how many people no. follow us. You know, it's that just sense all community. about how much Right. It's and 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 the fact that that we have other podcasts that they may not even listen to the episodes, but they're out there liking and retweeting what we post, and we do the same for them. Yeah, you know, and it's all about sharing that love, and it's all about just coming together. We all love the same movies, even if even if you know, like I said, I didn't like the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and somebody else may, and you know what? That's fucking awesome. I'm all exactly. about that. You know, <laughs> I love Return of the Living Dead more than any other horror film. Not because I think it's the best, because guess what? I know it's not. Yeah. You know, there there's a there's a scene there's there is a scene in this film where you can straight up see the fucking cameraman. Right. <laughs> I mean like literally see if you watch near the end when the when uh uh Bert and Spider are in the, the cop car, they're backing up. You can see the cameraman in the in the passenger seat. That's like, hilarious. Like, there's no, I must have, like, there's no missing it. Yeah, yeah. Go back, go back and rewatch it. You'll oh, see it plain as fucking day. There's, there's nothing, there's nothing perfect about this film. But I love this film, and there are people out there that probably watch this film and they're like, eh, "That's shit." Yeah. And you know what? I'm all about that. But it's those little imperfections you know? that make it what it is. You know. Exactly. It, it is. It is. And and the fact that it's so when you see it, you'll see how fucking blatant it is. Right. You'll see yeah. how. I'm gonna go how watch easy. <laughs> Once you once you see that scene, you'll see how easy it is to see it. I guarantee they had to have seen this in post production. They had to. Have seen they just it. said, and "Fuck Dan it." Dan O'Bannon's probably like, "You know what? Leave it in." Yeah, <laughs> it, it makes it more. It makes it more hilarious. It's funny too because like we're talking about stuff like you know seeing things in the background and people behind it, but like listening to the Hellraiser episode you guys just put out, like also talking about the fucking thing that goes on the hallway. Where you see the guys pushing it. Like, I think Aaron and I talked yeah. about that too when we covered Hellraiser. But it's just yep. so funny seeing things like that. You don't really get that nowadays because, like, yeah, people do do practical still, but it's all still very heavily CGI and it's mm -hmm. sad. It just kind of takes away from, like, the whole art aspect, I feel like, almost of films. And I mean, like, yeah. not completely. Like, CGI has its place. Yeah, exactly. Within mod with moderation, you know, but, like... It's a tool. You just can't beat practical effects. It's just knowing yeah. that somebody created that with their hands, you know? Yeah. Like, everything yeah, at the so end of the day is a tool and whatnot, but I'm always going to pick practical over CGI. I don't care how fucking cheesy it comes out. I just... Yeah. Knowing that that's there in the same room as somebody... They're interacting with something that's not invisible. That's not a freaking green ball. Brought to life. You know, it, it just makes even like the um, the acting feel more genuine than someone standing in a room with green screens everywhere talking to a pole that's supposed to be somebody. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's just. Yeah. I've I've always said CGI has a a perfect place in sci-fi. Yes. And in yeah. fantasy. You know, they couldn't have done the Hobbit films without CGI. No. You know, you couldn't have, you can't do Star Wars, 
you know, films or or Disney Plus series or or even Marvel films yeah. without no. CGI. You need that. But when it comes to something like horror, when you're doing something like a, you know, Friday the 13th or a Texas Chainsaw Massacre or something like that, it's got to be practical. You it's not to necessary practical. to CGI. And that was and that was another big downfall for me with that new Texas Chainsaw Massacre is that there was so much CGI. Yes, there was blood involved, and you know, yeah, okay, there may have been some practical stuff, and the practical stuff was cool. I'll give them credit, but when you when you overdo it with CGI, The Walking Dead's a great example. Um, you know. I will I will bypass the whole storyline because after season two I kind of lost interest in the walk. I stopped Dead. watching um, after I think season six. <laughs> it was it was just repetitive. It, it just it was the same. You're getting the same story every season. Um, you had Greg Nicotero on that. Now Greg mm-hmm. Nicotero is a protege of Tom Savini's. He worked on Day of the Dead. He acted in Day of the Dead. I mean the guys K and B, they have had their hands on so many fucking you know the special effects in so many horror films yeah. i couldn't even i couldn't even begin to name uh all of them but when you watch the walking dead there's so much cgi in that that yeah. it takes away from the beauty of the practical effects that they did do mm-hmm. you know and you know to sum it up like tom savini one of my biggest idols i love the work that he's done in all Same. of the films he's done and if you ever get a chance to watch the Smoke and Mirrors documentary, oh, I have. Uh, it may have you. It yes. may still be on Shutter. To listen to him talk about the way that they film, you know, the their special effects and the misdirection, and it's like a magic trick, you know? exactly. And you know, I it, what takes me back it is I think of the scene, and I go back to Day of the Dead a lot because after Return of the Living Dead, that is my second favorite zombie movie ever. Uh, Day of the Dead, and the the scene where she chops Miguel's arm off after he's been bitten, um, it goes from real machete, fake arm, to real arm, fake machete, yeah, and then back to you know what I'm saying, and it's just like like just these quick cuts, but it looks so fucking real, you know, and it's the mind you just can't. It's happening so fast that your mind can't keep up with what you're seeing on the screen. Mm-hmm. And and I think back to when I was 19 and I was in college, I had to do a, a demonstrative speech for my speech class, and I did it on special effects because my ultimate goal, I wanted to go to Tom Savini's school. And my mother, me being an only child, my mother being way too overprotective, was not having any of that shit. Oh, man. That's in Pittsburgh. And, oh, trust me, I was, I was fucking heartbroken. But... So I did this demonstrative speech, and I was actually able to interview Tom Savini. Now, this was 1999, a couple years after I had gotten access to the Internet. And I took my shot, and I sent him an email with maybe 10 or 12 questions. And he immediately responded, answered all of my questions. And, you know, we had a little correspondence back and forth. And that was, I mean, lifelong dream. Until I met him, that was like, holy shit. You know, that's my mind. But so I had to do this demonstrative speech and I had made this video and I don't know if you have ever tried to edit things with, with two VHS players, but I don't think I so. had taken, I had, I had made this whole elaborate thing in my bedroom with two, two different VHS tape players 
where I was recording on one and playing on the other, and I was taking clips from all of these Romero films, right? All of the special effects. And I had played this for my speech class. And the scene where Miguel gets his arm chopped off actually caused a girl to get up and go to the bathroom and throw up. Oh, wow. Ultimate goal right there. After everything was said and done, my speech teacher pulled me aside after the class. And he said, I was going to give you a B for this. He said, but when I saw her get up and run to the bathroom and get sick, he's like, I changed it to an A+. Awesome. (laughs) Oh, shit. And that that wasn't on me. That's on Tom Savini because his effects were so good in that that it looked so real that it yeah. made her get sick. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And and to me, like, that's the beauty of special effects. And I know we're off on a tangent. I know we're not talking about Return of the Living Dead. That's okay. We plan to. But but it all goes for full circle because special effects are so important. Practical effects are so important in these films. And the fact that they're paying $5 for people to eat real calf brains in, in Return of the Living Dead, you know, one of the most horrifying. Now, I said the the James Karen scene where he gets into the the furnace or the the oven is one of my favorite scenes, and it is because it's haunting. Yeah. But the most terrifying scene for me, from when I was a kid and to this day, is the scene where the paramedic goes around and he shuts the door. Oh and yeah. There's that little the little midget. Yeah. And he lifts his head up, and and the brain falls out of his mouth, and he hisses. And when the guy runs, or it was Ernie that found him. I, I apologize. It was Ernie that found him. And when Ernie runs off and the little midget starts kind of waddling yeah. after him, most terrifying scene ever. I think, like, mine's kind of in the same, I think, area as that. I, one that scares me the most, is I, I hate the, the feeling of being chased, is when the paramedic goes in to, to radio oh, yeah. to let them know, and he closes the door. All the doors are closed, and then the other one it opens up, and there's a freaking zombie that, that goes in. Then he runs up the other side, then he's eaten. And then the guy is like looking around like, what's going on? And then another zombie comes over here, and he gets surrounded, and yep. it's just like, oh, my God, ultimate chaos. Like, that... I don't want to go up that way. I really like to like the helicopter like view of like the whole sh- like oh, thing yeah. that's happening. You just see like the swarms, when all the just, cops. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And like so the, 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 fun- <laughs> the whole line of police cars too, and they're oh, all yeah. getting swarmed. Yeah. This is like, oh my yeah. god, yeah, running like, zombies! I can't do it. Yeah, it's like they they just keep this this mortuary is just like a fucking feeding frenzy. Like they just keep <laughs> showing up, and they keep they're telling eating. their friends and. <laughs> If you ever, if you ever, when you go back and rewatch it, that second round of paramedics that come in, and you see the one that gets tackled, oh, he yeah. actually he actually broke a bunch of ribs. Oh he, shit! Really? The, shit! The dude, the dude tackled him so hard that he they ended up having to send him to the hospital because oh, he broke his ribs. Yeah. Man. Okay, wow. threw him an extra five bucks. <laughs> yeah, no shit, no shit. And like the other thing, like this movie is very funny, and just like the backgrounds of things, like even the name of the cemetery is Resurrection Cemetery. <laughs> so it's like it's already yeah. super self-aware, of like where where mm-hmm. it's going, what it's gonna do, and whatnot. It's it's great. Everything it's in like, this movie know, is great. A bunch of like like a whole lot of tongue in cheek. Yeah, it has you know? so much yeah. of that. 
and like yeah. subtle similarities too. Like you know how we're talking about how like um it got people a lot of people like first time watching it thinking oh this is a sequel to Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. Um, the sudden ending too. Like do you know how in Night of the Living Dead and he just like he steps outside and fucking you know yeah um, I'm not gonna. I don't want to spoil things. You can spoil the movie is like so old now. I know everybody just immediately fucking shot in the head. Yeah. And then in this one they they just fucking drop a nuke on him, fuck it, you know? Yeah. And that's, and that's like... the and that's Go ahead, Sean. Go ahead. That well that's the that that's the irony of this thing is like it do you think that, that had they called that number on the side of the tin They could have when, avoided all of it. <laughs> when Bert when Bert first showed up to the warehouse and they would have called that number. They would have only had four people to contain. They would have had the yellow dude that was stuck in the freezer. Yeah. They would have had Tarman, and then Freddie and Frank, right? Yeah. And that would have been it. And they could have easily come in, contained it, and whatever. But because they waited so long, and and I know why. I know why they did it because you run a fucking warehouse. Yeah. You don't want to. You don't. You don't want to eat shit. Yeah. You, you don't want to ruin your reputation and stuff. Yeah. You're Get arrested. You've been. Uh, You've been hiding these containers since 1960. Yeah, so you know what I'm saying, <laughs> um, you know, so I, I get it, but it's because because Bert's such a slime ball and he doesn't want anybody to know that it becomes such a a big thing, and and you have this outbreak. So when you call the military, and the government decides to nuke the whole fucking city, you know what I'm yeah. saying? And you know like, you fucked up. The, the government ends up killing more people than the fucking zombies do. <laughs> and especially at the end, because it just goes right back up into the clouds, and guess what? The right. whole world is fucked. Now you get nuclear zombies. <laughs> yeah. I also yeah. love how Bert's like, oh, do you hear that? He's like, what do you hear? She's like, I don't know, I hear something. And it was like, oh my god. Yeah. I, I love like, the miniatures, because it was like obviously a miniature set that they're using yeah. when they blew it up, and see all the houses <laughs> that's like, blowing. I love yeah. that so got a fan and a hair dryer. <laughs> great. There's little yeah. things and like I, that. And it's great. And it's and, and using those miniatures, it's such a throwback to, like, 50s, 60s, mm-hmm. you know, like, sci-fi and stuff like that. Uh, Candy and I watch a lot of mystery science theater. And, oh, and that's they, good. They do a lot of these... We, they do a lot of these old, you know, 60, 50s and 60s sci-fi films, and you see a lot of that HO scale, you know, where they make these miniatures and they they blow them up or they burn them, and you can obviously tell. I mean, it's yeah, <laughs> they're not trying to hide it in this film that they're miniatures. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, embracing exactly. it. <laughs> I'm trying to think of like my favorite part of the whole movie because there's so much that happens in this hour and a half movie. It's only an hour and a half, but it yeah. feels way yeah, longer it does because there's so much yeah. but it's a good thing that it feels longer you um, just want more yeah i mean you eventually do get more in, like the sequels and stuff i mean yeah. they're all kind of like their own different story in a way but um yeah mm-hmm. my favorite part of this movie i don't know i just i have to say just the beginning the whole opening scene i think is my favorite that's being set up to the um the warehouse and him saying like yeah. I don't really know many people with perfect teeth but somehow they keep getting all the skeletons with perfect teeth <laughs> and then and Freddy is just like so like yeah 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 and then when they go into like the seat of cadaver and Freddy's just like uh what how many are usually in here and he's like 
well, you don't want them to go bad. He wants them to stay fresh. He's like cracking all these jokes and stuff. Just so nonchalantly. And then like, you know, yeah. scaring him with the, the story of, you know, the, how Night of the Living Dead was real and it was like cover up. I think just that whole opening part before the up, actual yeah. title is my favorite. Because it's, oh, it's yeah. all just, it's just a prelogue. It, it really is until the main attraction. As soon as that title card goes up, you know you're in for a ride. That's definitely my favorite. What about you, Aaron? Probably the yellow dude when they first realize he's reanimated. And oh. they fucking chop his head off and he's still running around. <laughs> running so in his shit. And... And, 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 they, and they brain him with the, yeah. the pickaxe, too. And he's just oh. screaming the whole time. They're like, oh, God. It's like, why are you screaming? Oh. It's like all you hear. And... Death is pain. <laughs> That's pretty good. What about you, Sean? What's your, your favorite I... part? I gotta agree with both of you guys. Like that whole opening scene, um, even and and then afterwards, you know, with the with the cadaver that comes out, and it's that that my favorite part is when he said, "Well, it worked in the movies." Yeah, like, you know, what do you mean you know, the movie lied? <laughs> yeah, they they had they. I, it was just that whole thing is is set up so well, and the the interactions between Frank and Freddie. And mm-hmm. then you bring Ernie and Bert into the mix, you know, and that whole scene where 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 Freddie and Frank are, are freaking out and Frank just looks at him. He's like, I think we should call the boss. <laughs> yeah. And he goes over and he sits down and he and, he, and everything's going chaotic. And he's like, Bert, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and yeah. it's just yeah, it's so and it, it sets it up so well, you know, and you have all of this chaos that occurs um, and and every scene with tar man mm-hmm. is just fucking amazing to treat because alan alan trotman is just the way that he portrays tar man and he's the way that he's kind of shambling it's mm-hmm. almost like all the bones are like dislocated oh, yeah. you know and he's just you know and the suit and he t- he talks about in the audio commentary how they needed somebody who was tall and super skinny because all of those bones had to be on the outside of the body Mm-hmm. And he said at the time he was like 6'2", and I think maybe 150 pounds. Oh, wow. Which, I mean, if you think about it, that's pretty fucking skinny. Yeah, yeah I'm know? I'm like 6'1", and, and I think I weigh like 215. <laughs> right, yeah. right. So that's like, you know, I mean, he's like super thin. And so like, you know, you watch him, and they've just covered him in methicel, which is like... You know, I mean, it's it's like jelly. It's like it's mm-hmm. the stuff that they make jelly donuts out of. You know, I mean, it's it's just it's this goopy, nasty mess. <laughs> and it's you know, he just he just portrays it so well. He he's just articulated and just like his movements. And I was so bummed to see Bert knock his fucking head off because I was like, man, I wanted so much out of Tar Man. And he went out like a fucking bitch. Yeah, this one Mm -hmm. thing that cracks me up is because we like killer clowns from outer space here. Oh my god, yes. And I I know I know how Candy feels about killer clowns from outer space. (laughs) Yep. But for some reason, in the eighties, a lot of people like knocking people's blocks off. You know, (laughs) like they always say, "Oh, you can knock his block off with this." You know. Yeah. So they have it in Killer Clowns, and they have it in this one with with a bat. (laughs) It's it's just so funny, and it's just so clean too. It's like he just comes out, Mm -hmm. bonk. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Just like. Sorry, good. <laughs> well, I was gonna say, yeah, he just he just takes his head off, and in a film that's filled with running zombies, you know, yeah, who just won't zombies, die. 
and he's just shambling out like you know <laughs> i it just it just fucking blew my mind that when that happened i'm just like fuck man yeah like when i was doing general research in the movie before i even like watched it half of the articles mentioned tarman and i'm like mm-hmm. i was expecting him to have a, such a bigger role in the movie because i all i hear about tarman tarman and they go and he's in two scenes. I was a little disappointed, but it's just because he's so iconic. Like yeah. him and the skeleton coming out of the ground are the two, and obviously mm-hmm. Linnea Quigley as well are like <laughs> yeah. the most iconic like images from this yeah. film. Yeah, kind of like in um fucking The Exorcist that one scene where he's like at the stairs, you know, there's that infamous yeah. like shot. Yeah, I keep hitting my fucking yeah. mic. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah, this. The, uh, it, it, but it's it's funny you say that too because I feel like Tarman he gets the Boba Fett treatment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. If you think about it, you know, I mean, aside from the from the new Disney Plus show, but you know, Boba Fett was only in the films for a very short time, mm-hmm. and people he, loved him. Like he became like this iconic legend in Star Wars lore, and there were books written about him about how he yep. survived the Sarlacc, you know, you know, and. All this stuff, and and he Tarman got the same treatment. He is Tarman is the face of Return of the Living Dead. Yes, he's on all the shirts, he's on all the posters. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And, and yeah, he wasn't that makes even, a lot of sense. Yeah, and he wasn't. He was a minor character in this whole thing, but he's so iconic, and that's because Alan Trotman portrayed him so well. Yep. Oh, he did I just, such a good job with him. I just realized, man. I just bought some. <laughs> Return of the, of the Living Dead stuff from Cavity Colors, and I meant mm-hmm. to wear it tonight, uh, and I fucking forgot. Dude, oh, wow. I got to tell you, I I was gonna bring this up when we went to Monster Mania. Uh, we drove ten hours to New Jersey. Yeah, that's to nuts. Go to this, and uh, I there was a now, so we inter- we got to interview Ben Scrivens from Pr- Fright Rags. Yeah, I love that interview. He's 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 become a really good friend of ours. We got to see him. We hung out at his booth, you know, and all this stuff. And 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 I love Fright Rags. Shout out to them. But there was another. There was just around the corner. There was another vendor, uh, Paul Bearer Press. And if you ever get a chance to check them out, uh, they're on Instagram. They've got a website, PaulBearerPress.com. I spent probably one hundred and fifty dollars just on Return of Living Dead gear alone. Wow. Um, I got. I bought some. They had some tapestries. Um, nice. They've got. Uh, I bought a T-shirt. I got this hat. I love that one. I think you put that in your picture on Twitter, and I love it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, dude, I bought so much stuff, and they were so cool. Uh, I'm, I want to, I want to try to get them on our podcast. Uh, Do talk it. To them. I think they're based. At, I think they're based out of Texas. But they they told us they're going to be at the uh, we we do Whorehound and we do Days of the Dead here. And they those said are two be, conventions I I really want to attend. Which one? I want to attend both of those at some point. This. So many conventions I want to go to, so maybe definitely I well, will hey, make my way I, there. I'm I'm going to extend the offer to you guys, just like I extend to everybody on our podcast. We have I had one of our kids move out. We have a guest bedroom. If you guys ever want to come to Indy and and attend a, a convention here, you don't have to worry. about Thank you very much, man. Room. I appreciate it. So uh, I'll, yeah. I'll remember that. <laughs> Thank you. Road, road trips are fun. I didn't like driving ten hours to New Jersey, but it was fucking worth it. Yeah, at the end of the day, definitely. But yeah, I, yeah. I bought. I think I bought um, some joggers and two shirts. 
fucking forgot them. <laughs> Actually, I think <laughs> I think the shirts are being washed right now, and the joggers I think are yeah. in the drawer, but you're not even gonna be able to see those. Oh, are you so are upset. you one of those are you one of those people that you have to wash it before you wear it? No, no, I think I wore well, them before, <laughs> and I and I forgot that I was washing them, and I meant to grab them today, and I forgot. I'm one of can can't. <laughs> Candy gives me shit all the time because <laughs> I have to I have to wash my shit before I I wear it. Yeah, if it's like coming from directly from the warehouse, I'm usually kind of okay. But if it's like off a rack in the store, I might I might wash it. I feel like so, shirts are always right, itchy right, when they're yeah. brand new. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. That's how I feel. Yeah. See, this is this is my fright rag shirt. I don't know if you can see it. Oh, that's that's awesome. I'm actually wearing I think a cavity color creep shirt right now. I put this Hell one yeah. on for some reason and not the other one, <laughs> but it's all good. <laughs> I, I love both cavity colors and fright rags. They're, they're both great. Mm-hmm. I love everything that they do. Uh, all the designs. So many, there are so many good horror brands out there. You've got cavity colors. You've got fright rags, Paul bear press, um, uh, terror threads, yeah. gutter garbs. I mean, dude, there's, and, and that's the thing. Like, when we talk to Ben, like he's friends with all these guys. He's friends with all of these other t-shirt brands, these other companies. And it's just, dude, we're all a community and we all shout each other out. You know what I'm saying? Like just because I buy from, from, you know, gutter garbs doesn't mean that I don't like fright rags. Like exactly. I love it all. I love it all. And you know, just like everybody in the horror community, there are so many fantastic creators out there whether it's podcasts music art you know t-shirts whatever it is you know i mean there's so many awesome people in this community yeah. that we just you know there's no competition there's no it, it's all about love baby mm-hmm. yeah i mean we, we definitely sh- we, definitely are people out there who take love. it a little too much we gotta share that love we gotta spread that love yeah you know help each other out shout each other out yeah stop gatekeeping you know? just help people like yeah people Absolutely. are not gonna like everything that comes out it's it's impossible for you to like everything you know but it doesn't mean that you need to go and like make other people feel awful just because their opinion is different than yours and that's what i fucking hate and there's actually a really good video right now on youtube um our pal um horror game who's actually kind of talking about all this about the 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 toxic um fandom that's going on with with the horror community and how it's like really bumming him out and it's it's kind of getting there with me too because like i love everybody um whether i know you or not you guys are amazing and thank you for doing anything you're doing in the community and if you are supporting us thank you i mean you guys are definitely part of like the this whole one year of us being here and many years to you know come but we really need to really hold people up and if someone is doing something scummy um like you know stalking somebody then we gotta call them out but like when it comes to movies at the end of the day it's just a fucking movie you know what i mean you don't need to get upset because someone's like oh this kill was really cool and then one other person said that kill was trash or like i was saying like there's some stuff in a texas chainsaw massacre the new one that came out wasn't that great it doesn't mean that you need to go and like bat someone down because you love the film yeah. so much and they're putting something negative. People take opinions as personal attacks. I feel like nowadays. Yeah. And oh yeah, an opinion is an opinion. It's not us intentionally being an asshole for any kind of reason. I mean, 
not going to say there are people out there that aren't, you know, intentionally being an asshole because there definitely are. Um, but we're just, you know, showing a love for this this franchise or this new film or whatever, maybe a reboot, whatever, um, with like Scream and stuff. Yeah, maybe I gave it a harsh rating, but I enjoyed the film at the end of the day. Um, but we're all fans. We all, you know, at the end of the day, love the same shit. We love the community. We love horror just in general, just as a thing, because it's it's a very, com- compared to other genres, there's nothing more intimate and personal than horror. Like, yeah. maybe you can kind of argue maybe a drama is, but at the same time, a horror movie is a drama. It starts off as a drama and then goes off. You know, I, I listen to... um. I don't know if you guys do, but postmortem with Mick Garris. Mm-hmm. Okay, I love his mm-hmm. podcast, and he's always describing that it's always it's a drama first, and then it can go in multiple directions. But at the heart of it, it's a drama, and that's why I think everything is really personal. Personal, and um, uh, there's someone I want to shout out right now that has been really kind of holding a really good community local here is um Kay Lynch, who is the creator of Salem Horror Fest. And she um just her views are they can be a little um rigid at times, but I always agree on everything that she puts out and she really speaks up for you know other creators and directors and is actually the Salem Horror Fest is part of the George A. Romero, uh, Romero Foundation who has had you know um directors are now part of the program one of them is being um mentored right now by um uh travis stevens who did um uh jacob's wife who is doing that and he is really building a really good foundation for horror and he's out there i think actually producing two movies which is amazing um, there's a real, there's a local movie that's on Shutter right now that came out um, that premiered at Salem Horror Fest. That I want everybody to check out too. It was made in Providence, Rhode Island, which is only like 40 minutes from here. And I've actually talked to some of the people on there. I want to try to get them on the podcast, but they're in the middle of filming their, their new movie. But it's called Death Drop Gorgeous, and that's a local film that was made here that premiered at Salem Horror Fest. And another one that is. Um, I don't know how local, but sort of. It's in the East Coast that it was made. It's called The Strings. That was also premiered, and that's also on Shutter. So go check out those two movies, because they are great. And Kay Lynch also. If you can find the time to look up Kay Lynch, I'll even send you a link. Uh, I don't know how busy she is right now, but she's a very good interviewer. And the knowledge that she has is is crazy. She's on Twitter. Or you can just look up Salem Horror Fest. Also, is another thing that you guys can look up. But the name sounds familiar. I think I already follow her, but I'm writing it down. Okay. Yeah, she's great. Just for posterity's sake. Yeah, she's yeah. great. Um, she's very active and you know helping you know the trans community and also everything that's going on in Texas right now with the abortions and everything. And Salem Horror Fest has kind of always been something that's trying to outspeak and help other communities that really need it. And that's why Aaron and I are very big supporters of that. Not just for the horror, just because of what they do. So I always try to, you know, talk about them as much. We also did an interview with her right before our winter break. So we did that. We reviewed um, 
I always fucking forget. What the hell? Uh, uh, Deadly Games? Yeah, Deadly Games. We reviewed Deadly Games with her. That was that was really, really cool. And kind of just like talked about Salem Horror Fest. But she just released the amount that she's spending on venues. Because they're skipping this year for the fest because she wants to make it bigger. It's coming next year. She spent um, $100,000 just on venues. Cool. Yeah. I do follow her. Yeah, I did see that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So it's... Yeah incredible and like i'm trying to get dean to kind of come over here so he can be kind of part of that and trying to get that connected but reach out to her reach out to her because she's great i think i think you you all love her but i know this kind of turned into like a horror community thing but you know at the end of the day that's that's what we're all about you know that that is is. that's what matters it's all about the love man yeah Um, taking care of each other and I'm trying to think if there's anything else on this film that we can touch on because I think we touched literally everything that was really important. Maybe wor- worst scene? Is there even such thing as a worst scene in this film? I don't think so. I mean, I enjoy Man. basically every minute of it. Like, this is a movie that I kind of can't find a flaw in. It's a I... flaw, but like, you know, like. Yeah, but like. This, but, you know, <laughs> <I mean. laughs> It's it's got its flaws. Don't but get like me wrong. they're not like flaws that like make, make or break you it. Hate it or yeah. something, you know. I don't know. Um. Yeah. I, don't know, I do. I, I will mean, say I... though, like the spine liquid shit though did kind of like when I first saw it, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so if if I had to pick one thing that I that maybe kind of throws me off, but you know what? Maybe not because at the end of the day, maybe that was the intention. And maybe I'm just looking too seriously in it, into it, but the scene with our with our beautiful half half zombie lady um, when she's on the table is the way that they did the voiceover. Mm. Um, you know, I thought maybe that could have been done a little better, maybe a little different. Maybe that's just me being a little too nitpicky. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I thought I thought as far as the the effects looked and the way that she moved and the little bits of spinal fluid and the the eyes. I mean, they were so fucking piercingly blue. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, I thought that looked great. Um, but yeah, maybe the, the voiceover part for that uh, could have been done a little d- bit differently. But I mean, there's so many things in this film that, that you don't really notice. And when I listen to the audio uh, commentary, uh, Don Kalfa talks about, you know, at the very beginning – when he's listening to the music before Bert even starts knocking on the door, he's doing the the embalming, and he he said that the guy on the table is a real guy, and <laughs> and he said that every time he would he would put that 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 powder on his face that he would blink because he just it was just instinctual he couldn't help it. So it, when they filmed that scene, he had to and you'll notice that he pointed it out in the commentary he had to put his hand. Over the guy's, what would that be? His right eye. Oh, so I was wondering filming, about that. Oh, okay, that filming makes from sense. The side. Huh. He had to put his hand over over his eye so the camera wouldn't see him blinking when he did that. Huh. You know, and it's little things like that that like you don't pick up when you're mm. watching the film, but when you listen to like the commentary and stuff, and they yeah. talk about it, and you're just like, oh, okay. Or like you know, uh, 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 Brian Peck who played Scuzz. They originally had him dressed just like Suicide. So he looked just like a punk, just like Suicide. And he didn't like that. He wanted to have his own identity. So he took his own money and went to Goodwill 
and uh-huh. bought a bunch of like the the trench coat and the buttons and all that stuff and he made it more like a british mod so that he would have his own identity you know as opposed to hmm. uh you know what what uh, uh suicide looked like and and mark venturini like that guy he died way too young um it's always was, the case man suicide in this he was in friday the 13th um and and he just big guy huge guy you see him stand next to linnea quigley when they mm-hmm. do that whole scene you know where he you know he says it's not a costume it's a way of life you know whatever <laughs> he's a he's he's a big guy uh i've 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 stood next to linnea quigley and she and i are about the same height and oh, she's like wow. maybe maybe to his shoulder um but when they talked about him in the commentary you know they they said he is such he was such a gentle human being you know, and just one of those one of those people we lost way too early. Yeah, I hate that, dude. Life sucks sometimes. Like, I know all the great people just seem to always die way too young for like stupid reasons or whatever, and it sucks. I mean, I know, and and then we got Keith Richards, who's a fucking vampire. Yeah, like that guy. He's gonna live on until he's like five hundred. He may already be five hundred. You know. He's done. He's done more drugs than I know how to name. I mean, like Ozzy too. I mean, Ozzy's yeah, still kicking like it, dude. Invincible, I swear. Yeah. Like, I'm a huge yeah. Ozzy fan. Like, I have a tattoo of Ozzy. My mom loves Ozzy. I grew up listening to him. But yeah, he's gonna yeah. die on stage. He, he wants to die on stage. That's the thing too. Is like he doesn't want to stop. And you know, yeah. I keep doing it, man. You you deserve it. That'd, that'd be the ultimate way to go. I gotta tell you. Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't be the first time someone died on stage. <laughs> yeah. Um, Go out doing what you love. Yeah. Imagine being at that show. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> you better hold on to that ticket. Yeah. It'd be worth something. be worth something. Especially yeah. if it was a signed ticket. <laughs> uh, okay. So, rating. I don't know. Aaron seems to think that I like to rate things a little too harshly. Not sometimes. necessarily sometimes. <laughs> I think when it comes to remakes, definitely. Remakes, yeah. I mean, you but they, have they, to. you have to, yeah. Um, but for this movie, I'm not going hard at all. Like, I'm honestly, yeah, it's got it's got its flaws, like you know, just like little little things. But the movie is so fun. I have to give it a ten out of ten. I have to, just just for the fun factor alone. Yeah, and just for how iconic this movie is, ten out of ten. Um, same. Same, Aaron, 10 out of 10? Just because I oh, think it's those shit. little flaws that really just make the movie. Like, I love shit like that. Little, like, Easter eggs. And, like, you know, yeah. like you said, you pointed out the uh, camera dude in the police car. You know, I'm going to go home and watch this movie again and look for it now. And I'm not going to unsee that, it. But, yeah. you know, it's like, like I said, little stuff to, like, look out for that just change the experience each time you watch the movie. Exactly. You know, I, so, I think. I think we know what you're going to say, Sean. But um, <laughs> what, what are you going to rate it? <laughs> Well, you know, I, I want to preface this before I, I, I give my review that when we did this uh, on the House of Screams, this was, of all the films we've we've done, this was the first film that ever got a perfect rating from everybody. No shit. Wow. And, and I, think we may have, I, I think we may have had seven people on that episode. Damn. And, and they all gave it a 10. So... It should come as no fucking surprise <laughs> that I'm going to give this a 10 out of 10. This is by far one of my favorite films. You can give it 11 out of 10. It's okay. It. it can go up to 11. I, it, we'll do the spinal tap. We'll go 11 out of 10. Um, 
this is this just this film is just my everything. I live for this film. I love everything about it, all of its flaws. Um the the humor, uh like I said, I could I you give me a Frank and Freddy buddy cop movie and mm-hmm. I'm good. You know, I mean those two, the banter between those two, James Karen's another one we've lost that that you know, his acting is just so good. Um Tom Matthews is fucking phenomenal in this. Um just everything, everything about this film, like even its flaws, I love its flaws. Exactly, yeah. and I feel this like is again. Sorry. sorry. No, I was just gonna say it's like one of my children. Like they can, <laughs> they can do no wrong in my eyes. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. And I, that's the thing with the '80s. I feel like a lot of the movies from the '80s. It's like you have like these flaws we've been talking about in this one. A lot of them have like those and um like movies nowadays. Everything I feel like needs to be so perfect and like you know it comes back to the CGI and people aren't really using practical effects where they should anymore. And mm-hmm. and I, the '80s just really set a standard for horror. I feel like. absolutely. I feel like you know this is a film that it just doesn't take itself too seriously. Yeah, and that's what I I think that's what I loved about it. And that kind the of whole like, time I was watching it. It also goes to yeah. the question now: Do you think if this movie didn't exist, do you think it could be made now, or do you think that it would no. have been like no yeah, CGI everywhere, awful writing? If it was made like in this day and age, it wouldn't. I don't think it would succeed. Because no. at no, that point. I don't. At this point, that was so. when, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't think know. so either. I don't it think has so. its and, magic, and that's not you know. I look at a film like Shaun of the Dead, right? Mm-hmm. And I love that film. Oh, I think that yeah. film's fucking amazing. Um, but they did that knowing that it was going to be more humor than horror. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, like we're going to make a comedy that's a horror movie. And I think that they that Dan O'Bannon did something different with this, where he was like, "We're going to make a horror movie." that's a comedy, mm-hmm. you know, and, and there's, there's stark differences in that. I mean, he oh, yeah. wrote alien, yeah, you know, and, and that's alien a pretty serious is, movie. If you think about it, alien is a very serious movie. And he, he knew when he got the script or when, when he got the, the chance to, to write and direct this, that he wanted to do something vastly different than what he did with alien, mm-hmm. you know? So he, so he took what he had from John Russo and he flipped the script, and he was like, "No, we're not going to go so dark, so dark with this. We're gonna we're gonna put some humor in there." But it's still, man, it's still got its dark moments. Mm-hmm. Oh, know, for anything, sure. Anything, anything involving zombies and you know, uh, uh, resurrection of the dead. I mean, that's it's dark inherently. Yeah. You know. So, but I mean, to add the the humor between you know Frank and Freddie, and then you've got Bert and Ernie. Who he and he didn't Sesame even Street. realize he didn't he didn't even realize Dan O'Bannon didn't even know at the time what he was doing when he named him Burton Ernie. <laughs> no. And that's okay. You know, so I, yeah. you can almost describe it too as like uh, I don't know. It's almost like as if the three stooges were in a fucking zombie apocalypse. <laughs> that's a good way of putting it too, yeah. No, I feel like you're right. <laughs> The way that you you uh, get the running around with the pickaxe and shit, and he's like, "You open the door," and just the way that yeah. how the whole thing happened just reminded me of like the Three Stooges. Yeah, I'm sure that that, that definitely it, was some inspiration. It's oh be, yeah, you know. sure. 
I mean, you look at you look at like you know uh, the Raimis, you know, and and the Evil Dead franchise. Like you know, oh, the Three Stooges were hugely infu- influential. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially uh, Bruce just himself is all the Three Stooges in one. <laughs> so, in, in one, one dude. <laughs> yeah. And like he would know like all out. like the the stunts he would do, like he would flip himself just to do it and, and stuff. Is oh, that... dude, if you if you look into the trivia behind all those movies, oh yeah, movies in Army of Darkness, Ted and Sam tortured Bruce Campbell. Like yeah, I think he there probably was loved point, every second of it, though. There was the one point where he like <laughs> like he twisted his ankle, and so they just kept poking it throughout the movie. You know, just to just to fucking piss him off, you know, and like, but that's the beauty of it, like their friendship and mm-hmm. look what they created. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, now you've got Sam Raimi's directing the new fucking Doctor Strange film. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, it's Spider Man, and Bruce Campbell's gonna be in it, just yeah. like he was in all the, the like, Spider Man movies. You dude, know? this is what I realize this a lot out of all like the Ra- the Raimi films I've seen. Is Bruce, or even if like a Bruce film, they're always there. Like you watch Dark Man, it's a Sam Raimi film at the very end. Bruce Campbell. Well, it's kind of like too, you watch yep. uh, Maniac Cop. Sam Raimi makes a cameo there. It's a Bruce film. It's like crew. You know? It's like yeah. crew. Kinda yeah, like Adam Sandler's got fucking David Spade. Yeah, and like... they, they've been friends oh, since yeah. school. Like those t- Evil Dead movies were essentially just a f- a school project. Yeah, that turned yeah. more serious, you know. Mm-hmm. And all the Spider Man films. Guess who's in there? Bruce is in every single <laughs> one, being funny as yeah. fuck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, look <laughs> you know? at, have you have you guys seen Intruder? Have you seen Intruder? I don't think so. No. So so we covered we did Intruder, and Candy had never seen it. And I love that fucking movie. That is that is one of those schlocky eighties horror films that like it takes place in a grocery store. Right? Oh, I was listening and so to this like, episode. And you're like, you can't take this seriously. It takes place in a fucking grocery store. Like what the <laughs> fuck? And it's so cheesy and it's dumb, but it's Sam and Ted. And then Bruce Campbell makes an appearance like the last five minutes. He's only in it for like ten seconds. He's a cop, right? And he shows up at the very end. But it's like, and it's so cheesy to the point to where the whole movie, like the killer, you don't know who the killer is, Mm -hmm. but when they made, when they made the VHS cover, they put the killer on the cover. So it totally ruined the whole, you know what I'm saying? But it's so, but it has some of the best kills, some of the best special effects. So you ever get a chance, watch it. You get to see fucking Ted Raimi get absolutely murdered in this. Um, it's <laughs> you look it up, Intruder. It's such a good fucking film. Another really funny thing too is like um we we covered Blood Rage uh on the show and knowing that like one of Ted's very first like you know roles is him being a fucking condom dealer in the bathroom is <laughs> so funny. Yep. It's just like everything that they do this leads back to comedy, mm-hmm. just yeah. with horror thrown in there. I mean, Evil yeah. Dead was a little bit more of a serious one, but then when she gets to Evil Dead 2, they knew it was funny, so they just kind of rolled with it. And then Bruce was yeah. just, you know, like, I'm gonna I'm gonna go all out. I'm doing all of my own stunts. I don't need anybody doing it. <laughs> if, I, if I break my back, I don't even care or anything. It, it's crazy. And then and Army of Darkness, even funnier. Then you get the TV show, yeah. which is even funnier. It's, right. it's, it's great. And now the, the video game is coming out soon, which I can't wait for. Yeah. 
I'm and definitely... that's the that's the funny thing about you know you look at your Evil Dead and Evil Dead Two. It's essentially the same fucking movie. Yeah, sister remake. You know, but just a, a remake by the same people. Yeah. You know, and <laughs> and and the funny thing is, if you watch, you know, and Aaron, I don't know if you've seen uh, Return of Living Dead Two. Um, but, I think so. But it's, it's essentially yeah. Yeah. Frank and Frank and Freddy reprise the same roles in Return of the Living Dead Two, but they're in you know, but they're 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 the same characters but different roles. They're grave diggers, <laughs> you know, and and the same fucking thing happens to them, you know. But it's just it's so funny when you watch Return of the Living Dead Two because it's like the same characters are playing the same roles mm-hmm. just in different you know having different jobs and it's and they even use the same like this job reference you know when they're when they're grave digging so it's it's just it's so fucking funny it's just it's all full circle it's all about the comedy it's all about the humor we need more of that we need more of that we do these days you know not so serious tones and everything like i like serious movies don't get me wrong but i also like having these goofy just like shut my brain off and just watch something wacky and yeah. it's just funny too that we're doing this movie this week. That's you know kind of shut your brain off, and then next week we're doing The Shining, which you know is <laughs> no, like <laughs> the complete opposite of everything. But um, yeah, if you haven't seen this movie, you need to watch it. I don't even care. Like you can listen to it in a review, even though it's kind of like a all over the place review, but I liked it. It was it's different. Um, yeah, you have to watch. <laughs> you, you, you have to watch it. You got to watch all of them, even the bad ones. I don't yeah. care. You, you watch all the bad ones so you can say you did it. You know. And and you know what? And co- there are people out there who I'm sure love Rave to the Grave and Necropolis. And you know what? Kudos to you. Exactly. Just because just because I don't like them does not. I'm not shitting on you. You are absolutely able to love anything you want, and I will respect you for that 110 percent. I stand with you on that. The, I really the, do. The first. The first three are my babies, and after that, like, I, I, for me personally, I feel like they go downhill. But that's just me. That's just me talking. Yeah, and now yeah, we feel the same way, just like everybody about else certain does. films and stuff. So you know, everybody you know has their opinion, like you were saying before. But please, and support. Don't demolish the horror community. That's what we need. Exactly. We need the love and support. And if you don't listen to the house that screams. What are you doing? It's literally you guys. I think out of like all the podcasts, um, even before we were a podcast, I heard about you guys before. Um, I think I was listening to um, Ian's old show um, before you know you made another damn podcast, and then you guys were on it. And then I heard your show, and I was like, "Wow, these people are great." And then I discovered everybody else. But I always felt that you guys really are the heart and soul of a lot of the podcast and horror community. Um, but like you and Candy, I mean, I love everybody else. Like I, I love Rob. Patrick's, uh, you know, amazing. And, and uh, you know, Dave is, is great, too. I think he's actually coming on later this year as well. But the whole crew is great. And don't stop what you're doing. Don't. Keep growing. Keep doing everything that you're doing because i love every episode i well, thank I, you guys for doing that, what you're man. doing cause... i appreciate that we we that's that's our plan we're just going to keep doing what we're doing and you know we've got 
I've got stickers uh, that I'm I'm bringing in. Um, we're getting T-shirts made. Uh, we're actually looking into. Uh, we've we've had some people reach out to us about uh, getting a table at uh, a convention. Do it. So That's great. We've. I've got this. I've got this grand plan. I I told Candy when we were driving back from Jersey that uh, we were thinking about maybe getting a, a table at a convention, and just live streaming the whole convention. You know, and just. Just, you know, and, and have it set up to where we can have, you know, just people that are hanging out at the convention just, you know, come over. Have We have an open seat with an open mic, and they can sit down, and we can talk core, you know, just with random people. You know, like that. And just interact and just have fun. And, you know, it's all about it's all about helping each other out. It's all about being there for each other, you know. There are so many people in this community that love horror. And, you know, maybe they're, maybe they're too shy to get their voice out there. Um, you know what? Reach out to us. Reach out to you guys. Reach out to us. Um, you know, you can be a part of this podcast. You know, we, we record with video. You don't have to. You no. know, if you don't want to show you, share your face, just come on and talk. Just chit-chat, yep. you know. If, Same here. If there's, a movie, if there's a movie anybody wants to talk about, reach out to us. We, we've talked about some fucking stinkers, man. We I did, think we have. We did two. hard rock. Oh, yeah. We Definitely did hard rock zombies, stuff. and that was a hard rock zombies was a tough one to get through. I love hard rock, and I love zombies, and that movie didn't have either of them. <laughs> you know, yeah, I, our but, very first movie that we did was Edge of the Axe, and that's a kind of uh, it's it's a good film, yeah. and it's still our most popular out of all the episodes for some <laughs> fucking reason. Because the original, really, yeah, it's, our, it's still our most popular out of all of them. I don't know why. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. Um, well, funnily enough, ironically enough, Return of the Living Dead is our most popular episode, huh. and, and it deserves that spot. It, it really does. I got, I got to tell you, it fought with Halloween Kills, and that blew me away because. We released Return of the Living Dead way before, like a year and a half before we did our review of Halloween Kills. And I think it was just because Halloween Kills was so viral. Yeah. We had actually, um, when Halloween Kills came out, we did a, a um, like a, a video viewing. Um, not live stream, but we had everybody from the podcast on Zoom as we were watching. Yeah. And then immediately after we watched it, the night it came out, we recorded our review. And so we were on that hype train. And because we had hashtagged it on Twitter, probably, you know, we it had got so many views that it immediately became our most listened to episode. That's and, like what we did with um, the new Scream movie. We did it right out of the theater, came here. Um, right, right. And that's another one. That's another one that's in our top five is the Scream one. Um, and I think, and I think that's why is because there's so much hype. There's so much, you know, it becomes so viral that, mm -hmm. that people immediately, you know, you release an episode on it and people immediately jump on it because they want opinions. They want to hear what yeah. other people think. Um, you know, we had thought about doing something like that with, uh, the new Batman movie, uh, the new X movie that just came out. Yeah. I'm, I'm seeing, going to try to see it tomorrow, but I have, to, I have to see it again with Aaron before we can review it because I really want to see it. Yeah, well, I'm anxious to hear your review. My daughter's awesome. going to see it tomorrow. We're not going to have time. Unfortunately, you know, we're just normal people with, you know, we got full-time jobs. We got kids, you know, yep. so being able to to get out and, and check these movies out. We had thought about doing a, a, a podcast episode about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre when it came out. 
and I was Candy and I both watched it and we weren't into it. And I was like, you know, I don't want to record an episode where we're just shitting on a movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, that's, unless like he had like opposing opinions and stuff, then that that's a different right, thing. Right. But there, the, honestly, there wasn't anybody on our podcast who watched it and enjoyed it. So we were like, you know what? We're gonna skip this one because I yeah. don't want, I don't want to get five people on a podcast and everybody hate it. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I would like to have opposing views. I want to get somebody on who enjoyed it so that we can have that discussion. Maybe you'll change my mind. You know, there were exactly. some people that I saw post some stuff on Twitter that, you know, kind of, kind of, kind of changed my view about a certain, uh, a couple scenes, you know, but, <clears throat> um, you know, and we have that on our podcast sometimes, you know, you talked about how sometimes we have opposing views. We had, you know, Erica, who's been on our, our show for a long time, she works for Andrew Devoff and Andrew Devoff is the guy who played the Jin in Wishmaster. Yeah. And we reviewed that movie and there were a couple people who shit all over that movie. I I like that movie. Just saying. I love that movie. I, I, think I love it's that great. movie. But but <laughs> you know, a couple a, a a couple of people shit on it and then realized afterwards that she works for the guy who played <laughs> in that movie that's funny and so then it was like okay this is kind of awkward <laughs> you know but at the end of the day she doesn't think it's that great of a film either yeah. you know and she loves andrew and we all love andrew you know he's he's a great guy but you know i think he played the gin well but he's got you know, that voice you know man oh, great his voice yeah his voice is fantastic and, and once he actually the, did... the other guy took over it just kind of you know fell apart for me yeah yeah, Andrew. Andrew actually did an intro for our podcast for that episode. Which That's awesome. Was actually, pretty fun. I have to cool. go back yeah. and listen to that one. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. It was a fun episode because you know you had you had a lot of people that were like you know they, they didn't like the movie, but do they do they want to act like they didn't like the movie because she works for him? And yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's kind of weird. Like I'm I'm on our top five right now, and like I said, Edge of the Axe is our most popular. Then we have Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker. Another really funny one that's in our top. That's like our second. And then um, the one we just did recently with uh, Dean of the Dead, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, which I guess isn't really surprising to be, you know, top three. You know, I'd like it to be higher, but that's fine. Then we have mm-hmm. Summer of 84, which is like a Shutter original, which is really weird that that's still there. It's all like the weird, like, yeah. small yeah. movies. Yeah, and then um, we got um, Sudoku uh, versus Kyaku, um, which was like the, um, you know, the ring versus... Um, Grudge, the grudge that we did with the yeah, um, horror gamer yeah. that was like way back, like finally. October, I think, of last year. So yeah, and you know what's it's funny too because it's like sometimes I feel like the popular episodes happen like there are a million horror podcasts out there. Yep, you know there are a lot, and I'm sure we all do a lot of the same films. Mm-hmm. So when someone looks at our podcast and they see oh. They did Hellraiser, or oh, they did Evil Dead. I've heard that from twenty other podcasts. Yeah. Right? But when you do something like Edge of the Axe that no one else has done, you know, or no one else is is frequently doing, yeah, you know, those are the ones that stand out. We did um, one of our 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 off the wall episodes that got really big was the Bad Seed, which was oh. from nineteen like nineteen fifty eight, nineteen fifty six. I'm not a classic movie guy, right? 
Candy is Candy's the classic movie fanatic, and she has shown me, like, honestly, Night of the Living Dead was the only black and white film I had ever <laughs> really, really nice. watched. But she has introduced me to so many others, and you know, since then we've done uh, the original Fly. Mm-hmm. We did um, uh, just just this past Thursday we did the Bride of Frankenstein, which nice. was a first time viewing for me. Uh, but when we did the Bad Seed. I watched that movie. I absolutely fucking loved it. I thought it was fucking phenomenal. I like and black that, and white movies. And that episode blew up. And I think it's because no, not a lot of people are, are covering films like that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You you get a lot of your Freddies and your Jasons and your Halloweens and you know all that stuff. But it's the films that not a lot of people talk ones about. Ones that stick out. And yeah, and those are the ones that stick out. You know, so yeah, keep keep doing those off the wall films. Keep doing those Shutter originals, and you know, Shutter's huge. Shutter's love Shutter. Thank God for Shutter. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm seeing shit that I would have never had the opportunity to see. A lot of the foreign films too. I love. Like it's kind of hard to get foreign films over here, especially the the um, caliber that they have over in Shutter right now. And the original like foreign films that are coming out are great. Yeah, Yeah. super classic ones is. Yeah, and you know, and and because of Shutter, we've got Joe Bob, mm-hmm. you know, which you know, with the last drive-in and stuff, and and Joe Bob and Darcy are, are huge influences for us, um, you know, and and all the Jallo that they put on there, you know, I was I, love I was never really I was never really much of a Jallo fan. I never I never really got into a lot of Italian. Like I'd seen Zombie, you know, and mm-hmm. and the infamous you know splinter in the eye, uh, scene, but you know. Aside from that, I'd never really watched a whole lot of, of Fulci or Argento or anything like that. Argento and... is very, very close to us because um, the first time viewing before, like, I really started getting into Jalo. This is 2018. Um, Aaron and I were, you know, attending Salem Horror Fest and they were showing Suspiria. Mm-hmm. And, like, I couldn't find that movie, like, anywhere. And they had an actual film reel for it. There, seeing the beautiful colors that are in Suspiria, and Aaron and I fell in love. And now, whenever we have a chance to watch anything Argento, and I'm very excited for his new movie that's going to be coming out. And I really hope it it has that feeling of Argento and not like modern people, you know, kind of taking over it. This is it's something different because yeah. You don't get that in the states. You, you you can't get that feeling of weird, not really know what's going on, but story wise. But then you kind of do understand. You think you do? <laughs> yeah, it, it's great. I, I love it. And like *Malignant*, I guess is the closest that we can get to an American Jallo film. Right. Right. And we still haven't reviewed yeah. that movie, but we are this year because yeah. I love *Malignant*, yeah. and we never get a chance to fucking review it. So oh, we're yeah, making that man. a statement this year. We really enjoyed doing that film, man. That was that was one of those films that I I had heard a lot of people fucking rave about, and I was like, all right, I got to sit down and watch this. And I watched it, and I was like, holy shit. I watched that I movie, movie eight times in two days. I'm not even fucking kidding. <laughs> oh, I'm not even fucking yeah. kidding. Damn. Yeah. I'm not kidding. <laughs> I, I, I could not stop thinking about it. Like, yeah. everything. Because uh, you didn't know what the fuck you were expecting at all. And then, like, right. it just keeps, like, unraveling, unraveling. And then you get to, the, like, the middle part, and you're like, what the fuck? 
and then yeah. you rewatch it from the beginning and then you really start to like understand what's going on but then you watch it again and then it's something else it's it's great james wan is a fucking genius he really really yeah. is yeah he really is um oh my god it was really funny because i wish i remember what he was saying on dean's podcast that i do he has his his co-host um another another friend of his dan and he was saying that um james wan is essentially making like sneaky little remakes of older movies and i fucking wish i knew what he i would have to go back and listen to the episode and i'll get back to you i'll message you once i figure it out <clears throat> but he was like saying yeah. that these are like sneaky remakes of movies and obviously he was saying i was like you're kind of right so sorry that i don't <laughs> yeah, remember exactly what he said but I, i'll let you know what, what, he, what he said after the show yeah but, definitely definitely uh, it's, we need more weirdness you know yeah we really do absolutely uh but i think that's kind of all that we have on return of the living dead and any other you know <laughs> gibberish and whatever we've been doing all night uh is there any last comments you want to add aaron before uh off? give this movie a watch it's definitely worth it um and check out the house of screams podcast and once again happy birthday dude thank yeah, you for birthday, you know taking a couple hours out of your day to come and do this show because it's it's great i appreciate it i appreciate it. it man this is this is what i love to do you know i mean i i'm honored to be able to do this on my birthday you know what i'm saying <laughs> my my daughter came over and she's like i can't believe you're doing a podcast on your birthday i'm like this is what i love to do like yeah you know if if i'm not here i'm gonna be riding my skateboard so okay. you know and I, you, I you um did I send you the full year list? If I didn't, I'll send it to you again. If there's something else that you see on that you want to pop in, feel free. I know Candy's yeah. coming on to do brain damage, and I love brain damage. We just um, Aaron's never it seen night. it, so so that's going to be an interesting we, one. I love that, that movie was, so much. We we watched that last night. We just got the uh, the Arrow Blu-ray. Oh, um, I'm jealous, man. That that film. Our episode. Did, I don't know if you've got a chance to listen to our episode on that. I did. Well, Candy, Candy had an epiphany, and it, I, I view, I totally view that movie in a different light now. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had never, never seen, I've never watched it in the way that she described it, and then after she described it, and I rewatched it, I was like, "Holy shit, you're right." You know, it's a and great that was, film. That was, yeah, it really. I love Frank Henlotter. Frank, oh man, the guy's Frank a genius. Oh, I that was that Frank was really good in Last too. Drive-In too. <laughs> that was really yeah. really good. Yeah. Yeah, I love Frankenhooker. Um, but no, I thank you guys. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Send me Dude, that anytime. list, because I'd love to come back. Um, Always welcome. I appreciate that, and and congratulations to you guys for for your anniversary. And yeah, I mean, huge, I'm honored man. to have you here on our anniversary because <laughs> I, I I'm not lying. Like when I say that, I really think that you guys are kind of like the the workhorse of like the horror community because. I would listen to you guys, and I never thought in a million years, like, oh, these guys sound really big. I don't think I'm ever going to be able to get in touch with them. And then we got into the the group that Ian made, and went on your podcast twice, and now here we are. It's, it's yeah. mind blowing every week when something else is just happening. Um, I kind of have something in the in the background right now that I'm trying to work out. Is um, we just reviewed um, American Mary, and the Soska sisters kind of reached out to us, and we might be might be doing an interview with them so that's gonna nice. be fucking awesome so hell yeah just waiting for a response See, and 
a date and all that stuff. So I'm I'm looking forward to that. Let's hope that uh, it comes to fruition. Yeah, no shit. And that's you know what? And that's a testament to anybody out there that's listening that no matter what type of art you do, whether it's drawing or painting or podcasting or music or whatever, you can do it. Yes. All you got to do is put your mind to it, you know? Candy, I am the one of the most introverted people I know, right? Me too. I, I <laughs> am not I am not a social butterfly. And when Candy came to me and she said I want to do a podcast. And I, my response was, have fun. <laughs> yeah. You know, because I'm like, I'm like, that, that's just not my thing. You know, I'm just, I'm just not a social person. And she was like, well, I kind of need you to be on this. And of course, she's my wife. So I'm like, okay, whatever you need, honey. And so now here I am doing the podcast. Damn. And I absolutely fucking love it. I love being able to talk about these things. I love making the connections. Um, you know, I, I edit the shows, I make the intro music. Like, I mean, it's just, it's become my second full-time job and yep. I don't get, I don't get paid for it. Oh. You know what I'm saying? So, but if I get mean, money I for it, it, then that's just I, a fucking bonus. You know? That's what I right, say all the yeah, time. If you yeah. get anything, it's, it's just a bonus at the end of the day. Like this is all for fun. Like maybe there are people out there who are definitely doing it for money and like kudos to them. Like, I'm glad that you, that that's what you want to do. And like, if we do make a dime off of this, then like, so be it. That's, yeah. that's just well, it's like, awesome. You know, I told her, like, I've got these, I've got these designs for stickers. Right. And I told her, I said, I'm going to get these stickers made. And she was like, well, yeah, we can sell those for, and I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm not trying to sell them. Like I'm trying to take these stickers to like conventions and stuff and yeah. just fucking hand them out, you know? Cause this is, it's all marketing. It's all just trying to get the name out there. It's not exactly about to make money. It's not about, you know, I mean, we've we've set up a Patreon. We've we've got a donation page. If people want to contribute, that's awesome. That's cool. Yeah. You know, that helps us out. But if they don't, we do this for free. You yeah. know, and I do this because I love it and because I enjoy it. Um, because I love making the connections with people. Um, and you know, at the end of the day, it's all about having fun. And exactly, that's what matters most to me. You know, this is my relief. You know, I've been on vacation all week. I've recorded two podcast episodes. I've edited, you know, I didn't have to do any of that, but I do it because I love it and I love doing it. That's good. You stand it the same way, you know, just doing it for fun. And anybody who out there who wants to start a podcast, like, yeah, it may some seem kind of daunting that there's so many people, but I mean, like there's a new one that just started like podcast in the woods with Boomer. He has like yeah. five or six episodes out and he's popping off right now. So, yeah. I mean, like, it, do it. You think yeah. you, you think about it and you put your mind to it. Yeah. Even if, like, you're not all that great at being on, on, on social, like, sometimes there's days I really don't want to be on socials and I don't really post anything. That's fine. Just record, put out, and people listen, they listen, you know? Yeah. It's... Dude, I can't, I can't tell you how many times I've deleted my Twitter account. <laughs> like, I just, I, I, I've never really been a big social media kind of guy. Yeah. And... And sometimes I get on there and I I can deal with it for weeks. And then there are some times where I'm like, fuck this. Yeah. You know, it's like I start doom scrolling and I start seeing all this negative stuff. And I'm like, I never want to get on my phone ever again. Yeah. Uh, um, and then I, and then I, you know, I take a couple days off and I get back and, and everything's fine. Um, and that's okay. That's normal. Um, anybody out there who wants to start a podcast and you don't know how you're intimidated, reach out to us. Exactly. Us an email. Hit us up on Twitter. You know, yeah. you need to know. Oh, trust me, 
I didn't have a mic the first year and a half I did this. You know, I didn't know the first thing about, about fucking podcasting. I was recording through the microphone on my laptop and had no clue, you know, how to make my sound better. And then I was like, you know what, I'm going to do some research. And I did some research. I found a microphone, got a boom, you know, a boom arm so that I'm not banging it all over the table. Okay. You know, <laughs> That's all I learned, learned how to edit, you know, and, and sometimes, you know, we release episodes that I listen to them afterwards. And I'm like, God, I could have edited that a little better. Uh, yep. Okay. I can relate to that one. And I'm just like, shit. Or like the, there was one episode I got so pissed. Our fucking audio got corrupted after I edited everything. So it came out sounding super wonky. And I was just like, I'm like, I, I cannot put this out and skip a week or I can just put it up and just deal with it. So I put it up. I'm like, I just like, whatever people want to listen to it. They want to listen to it. But at least I did something that week and I feel accomplished for it. Saturdays yeah. are probably the, my favorite day of the week. Cause I love hanging out with this guy doing movies, talking to guests. It's great. Hell yeah. And, um, and that's, that's what it's all about, man. That's what it's all about. Doing yourself. Exactly. Having a good time. That's all right. Absolutely. Uh, I think on that note, John, thank you so much for being here, man. Seriously. Well, thank you, man. Thank you for having me guys. I appreciate it. Now I'll send you the list after and I'm also, I'll look through that. I'll listen to the, the podcast and let you know what the hell he said. Cause it was very interesting. Yeah, um, I do. <clears throat> Or I'll even just, I'll just send you the podcast so you guys can listen to it too. It's it's on um, Spotify, so I'll just send you guys the link. So if you guys are interested and you can listen to Dean talk and get a feel for him and, and whatnot, but he, he's great. The first episode Absolutely. that I actually did with him was on brain damage, surprisingly enough. Oh, so fuck yeah. I'll have to send that Hell one yeah. to you. Yeah, send it to me. I'll, I'll listen to it. Hell yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, this was such a treat. I love this movie and... We have a lot of guests lined up this year, and it's all podcast guests, which is what I want to focus on this year. It wasn't really, like, guest guests. I just wanted people in the community. So as I say at the end of every episode, if you guys are part of the horror community or, you know, you just like films in general, you don't even need to be part of the horror community, really. If you want to come on and talk about a film, DMs are always open. Everywhere on Instagram, uh, Twitter, any place. Um, I think that's pretty much all I have. Unless there's any last notes you want to put, Aaron? Mm-hmm. I would it all. All right. Well, this was the Baron's Hideout Podcast. I was your host, Dustin. And I was your co-host, Aaron. <laughs> and I was Sean of the Dead from the House That Screams Horror Podcast. And once again, man, thank you. Thank you. Thank yeah, you thank for you being so here. Much. You're such a treat. Yeah, thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you. So, thank you, guys.